Hello and welcome to the Clock and Talk, an Arsenal podcast, and we're covering for fuck's sake. Good job, me and Schwinner are a lot more prepared than you, because if we came on and went, oh yeah, we didn't watch the game either, we was on the piss, it'd be a pretty shit podcast. Well, Mesut Ozil is the best number 10 in the Premier League. Yeah, that all looks good on paper, but there's never been a football match played on paper, so it's not really worth much. I'm going to make a bold prediction that Jack Wilshere will sign for West Ham United. It's time to start watching football with your eyes. I think people listen to what the commentator's saying and have that as their own opinion, but if you watch what's going on, you'll see things a lot clearer. Schwinn, who do you think is going to win the Golden Boot? I think Alexis Sanchez might do a number on that this year. (laughs) Okay. Tony talks about a clock going right twice a day. Tez is right every day. Try it from five, lads. Fucking beauty. Hello and welcome to the Clock End Talk. Thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading and follow us at clockend underscore talk on Twitter. I'm your host, Tez. And each and every week I'm joined by Tony and Schwinn. How are we, Tony? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. Well, the football weren't great and I was very hungover Saturday night. But apart from that, yeah, I'm all right. Good as can be. Um, Schwinn, how are you, buddy? Uh, doing just about the same surviving one day at a time and it's not made easy by the fact when we put in performances like we did yesterday so let's get into it and before we do get into it i've just got a couple of bit of house cleaning to get through schwinn um youtube our subscribers there we've still got that competition going we are 70 74 i think you said tony yeah 74 short 74 short so as soon as we hit that 500 mark in the subscribers on youtube um, and sh- I believe you've, you've retweeted out as well, Schwinn. So hit the uh, what am I saying? Yeah, Ars- Urban Arsenal. Um, we've got a, a shirt, Arsenal shirt to give away when we hit 500 subscribers on YouTube. Um, also, I just have a quick shout out to Lee Beat and his family, who are uh, listeners of the podcast, and thank you guys for your support. And congratulations, Lee, who's going to be a father soon. Um, anyway, that's a little bit of house cleaning, boys. Tony, 30 seconds, mate. Uh, Arsenal v Sporting. Uh, shit game, terrible game, uh, marred by what looked like a very bad injury to Danny Welbeck. I'm sure we've all seen the pictures. I know they were retweeted four billion times. It seems like it's the injury's nowhere near as bad as it looks. Apparently, it's a clean break, which is probably the best we could have hoped for. Um, in that situation and and if it is a clean break it could only be a couple of months out which from what it looked like will be a bit of luck for for both Arsenal and Danny so get well soon Danny there's literally no point talking about the game nil-nil nothing happened they got a guy sent off in 89th minute shit like just nothing I'm just going to add though they are they're a fucking grubby bunch of bloke team aren't they like fuck me yeah man they, they knew a draw pretty much got them through as well. So it, we're, we're definitely through now. And a draw, not it all but guarantees it um, because we've got to play the other two sides. So they were coming just to break up the game and do whatever whatever they had to do. Mm-hmm. And they did. Mm. Um, on Welbeck, though, is, uh, how long do you think it'll be here for? No idea. If it is true that it's just a clean break, which as I said, it doesn't, it didn't look like it. But that's all the reports coming out. They've been coming out since Friday, and and Emery said after the game yesterday that it looks like he'll be back with us a lot sooner than thought. A clean break is probably only two two months. Because I was looking at um, 
God, there might be a couple of questions on Twitter on it, and um, I was also looking at the news earlier, and there was talk about should we replace Welbeck in January? Now. Well, I mean, the issue is is the, the the reports he's not going to be offered a new contract, so he's going to be out of contract anyway. Um, so he'll be leaving on a free in the summer if reports are to be believed. And it looked like initially that he would never play for us again because it looked like that injury was at least a nine-monther. Mm. But as I said, if the reports are true, it's a clean break. He'll be back in January, February, and, and maybe it gives him a chance to earn a new contract or if they were, if they were planning to give him one, uh, a two-month injury won't put him off that. So I think we'll hold fire on whether he needs to replace him or not until we find out the extent of the injury. Okay. Well, we wish him all the best on the um, hopefully returns in the, in the two to three months that you say. Um, okay, let's get into this game. Arsenal v Wolverhampton Wanderers. Uh, you line up, Tony, that shock you, surprise any there? No, I think, to be honest, it's probably pretty much what I would have done or what I expected. Everyone knows I don't really like Iwobi on the right, but as soon as you're starting a Bamiyang on the left, it, it leaves it between um, Mickey and Iwobi. And I think it's fair to say Iwobi has been performing better. So no surprises. I, I wonder if there was a, a temptation to bring Socrates back in. But obviously he felt Holden and Mustafi had done well together, so he kept them in. So it's probably that was probably the lineup I expected to be honest. And uh, Schwinn, what about yourself, Mike? Yeah, I mean, Iwobi has been performing much better than Mkhitaryan as a whole throughout the season, but we know that on the right, he, it's you know he's a shadow of himself. And yesterday in the first half, particularly, he was you know maybe our brightest spark, but that's not saying a whole lot because we were very poor on the whole. You know, I, I do want to give him some benefit of the doubt here, but he just doesn't seem to work on the right. And I, I, I don't want to see him on the right ever again. I think it takes away a lot of the balance. The the creativity also isn't quite up to the mark. And I'd probably take a chance with Mkhitaryan up there at some point and, and give him a few run, you know, a few games in there just to see if he picks up some confidence by, by playing games back to back. Uh, you know, we'll probably talk about the defense a bit. Uh, I thought Holding didn't quite have a great game. He got turned a couple of times. And with Socrates on the bench, I was, you know, I, I just couldn't fathom why that, that was the, that was a decision made. I understand the partnership has done well so far. But when you have Socrates back and he's played a couple of games, uh, you would imagine he would be the, the obvious choice. And no, Nacho Montreal is still in the squad, which is a bit of a worry. You know, we'll obviously talk about Kolasinac. But not to have Montreal even back yet uh, as a part of the match day squad is is a bit worrying. So those were the things that stood out to me at least. I, now I I can sit here and go through this game, um, boys, but it's going to be a little bit boring. It was a little bit disappointing as well. Um, look, I tweeted out prior to the match. I said oh, this is. I think I, I tweeted uh, Craig's article with a preview, and I was I was I was concerned when I said. Emmy Toit, this game was always going to be a bit of concern for me. So I can go through this match um, and we can break it all down, or I can just pass the microphone straight over to Schwinn and let him have his five-minute rant, and then we can um, we, we can have a bit of a discussion about that <laughs> about that one, Schwinn. Yeah, sure. I mean, look, anyone who who listens to the show regularly will know we've been very positive 
throughout the season, but we have also not held back in voicing some of the concerns. You know, anyone who's watched us play this season knows that we've gotten away a lot of times. And for all the talk about XG and some of the advanced stats, people who do like or have an understanding of how how those equations are put together have been shouting that at some point we will regress to the mean in terms of our productivity, in terms of our output. And that's exactly what happened yesterday. You know, apart from all the statistical input, anyone who watched the game will be able to tell you that it was a slow start, lots of sideways passing, no incision, and all in all, to the time we conceded the first goal, which is what, in the 16th minute mark, we didn't threaten even once. You know, we, we control the majority of the game, but with little to show for it. Lots of quantitative possession, but very little qualitatively. Very passive in large spells of the game, and honestly just lacked creativity and ideas. Obama Yang was anonymous. Lacazette the same. Valoran fluffed his lines in key moments. As I said, it will be on the right is just madness for me. Kolasinac just just does inexplicable things. I mean, people might call this a lucky result as the way things panned out, and I would probably agree over the 90 minutes, but we were dog shit. You know, this level of performance is unacceptable and inexcusable. And a bit of the responsibility here has to rest on Emery. You know, let's be honest, he got this wrong. His tactical changes were not quite as effective. I like Guendouzi coming on because I think it provided us more control in midfield and maybe more importantly, provided some cover for our fullbacks on either side because then we had... Torreira and, and Guendouzi splitting uh, on either side of, of Shaka. But there was no countermeasure for the, the width that Wolves were going to threaten with. And at halftime, Emery seemingly did nothing to tailor our front three either. Uh, it, it seemed very stale. And it, it's it's one to forget, if you had to ask me. Okay. Um, Tony, let's get your rundown on the match, mate. You're at the Gringham. Yeah, I mean, the, the first thing that, that always comes to mind is we've always, I don't think we've ever not struggled against a team playing five at the back and using real whip. Uh, under the Wenger era, we always struggled until we changed to five at the back and we kind of matched them up and we done okay for a period. But whenever we play four at the back, we've always, always struggled against five at the back. And I was looking forward to see how Emery counteracted it because I was looking to see something different. As said, we all know he's very good tactically, so I wanted to see what he'd done about it. And the answer on the day was absolutely nothing. He let them run wild. Their, their wing back tucked in, their winger stayed wide. Helder Costa had the freedom of the Emirates, it seemed, in the first half especially. He, he literally just... It's the first time, I think, he's just thought... Well, it seems like he's thought, we'll just play our game, and if we're good enough, we'll win, which is what Wenger was known for. He didn't really care who we were playing. It was, if we play well enough, we'll win. And Emery's not been like that so far, but yesterday that's completely what it looked like. Um, obviously failed. I disagreed with the sub at half-time, to be honest. Um, nothing against Gwenduzi, but Iwobi was the only one that was actually trying anything. Um, I understand why he came off. Um, if they're going to take one of the wide men off and they wanted to keep Aubameyang on the pitch, unfortunately Iwobi was the full guy. But... It seemed like we were weak down the wings, so he just completely disregarded them and thought, okay, we'll attack centrally. So he took off basically both wingers because he moved the Bamiyang infield and took Iwobi off for a centre midfielder. So it just made us even easier to defend against because in the first half, we were trying to go wide. We just wasn't a threat. In the second half, we, were, we couldn't even try because we had no width at all. 
it was there was just so many decisions that were inexplicable. Even again, I thought Guendouzi was okay when he came on, but we're clearly chasing a game. They had five at the back with with at least one, if not two, holding midfielders. So the the box was packed whenever we got in there, and most of our shots were blocked because there were so many bodies in there. So even bringing on Guendouzi and not Ramsey, when you think you need a goal, they've got they're overloading the box. They've got too many people, and we've got three midfielders, none of whom are ever going to get in the box. So then you, you're basically saying to Aubameyang and Lacazette, you're playing against six players, good luck. And we didn't really create anything. We we had a couple of half chances. Hector probably should have scored. Aubameyang definitely should have scored. This is in the second half. I think we probably created better moments in the first half. And I, I just think tactically and personnel-wise in terms of changes, Emery got it all wrong. And I think that's probably the first time he's I've said that he's got it all wrong completely. It's hard to disagree with you, boys. Um, listen, I, uh, I'm trying. I'm trying again. I'm going to try and find a positive, but but I'm not really going to find one because it was it was as Schwinn said, a dog shit of a game. Uh, look, I have to give credit to Wolfhampton though, and I have to give credit to um, their manager because he came with a plan. And one thing I did notice is, and it's a worry going forward, is Arsenal do struggle um, when they're been pressed like they were, and with the five at the back, um, we we just look very poor in creativity. Now, Abamyang oh, and Lacazette, and I'm glad you said it, Schwin, that Abamyang and Lacazette because they were very poor yesterday. Um, Awobi, I agree, he tried, he tried chances. I don't want to sit here and echo your thoughts, boys, but um, it's 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 type of fucking hard not to. I will mention that. I noticed a few Arsenal fans and um, whatnot, uh, as soon as we have a bad game, uh, Granite's the boo boy once again, and I did see that that um, a, a lot of people were saying, oh, Granite had a shit game and this and that. Um, however, <laughs> I think everybody had a shit game apart from Leno. Um, I don't know if there was one, probably as you said, Awobi was possibly the only one doing something. For me, Granite was trying something late in the second half, which was obviously too late. Uh, I, I don't know. It's just one. It's it's a really fucking hard game to talk about, boys. Um, if you lads got anything else to add on it, well, I don't know just, where you want to go. <laughs> what, what's annoying is you said he's come with a plan, and he has, but they do that every week. That's how they play, and they are a hard side to beat. I think it was a podcast you missed out on where me and Schwinn looked about the, looked at the it was the last international break and we looked at all of the games up until this international break and um, I said then a month ago that this would be a hard game because they packed the defence they were very quick on the break and it was like Arsenal was surprised by that and again I'm not saying I'm some form of genius that knows everything about football but anyone that watches anything knows how Wolves play mm. and knows that they're quite good at it so how Arsenal weren't prepared for that is, is beyond me Mm-hmm. No, agree. but what's the what's the problem going forward though, Tony? Like because um, we got Bournemouth after international break, is that right? Yeah. So yeah. so what what I'm getting at is is what if Eddie Howe goes? Well, fuck, that's how you that's how you um <laughs> you play against Arsenal. Like, what's the plan going forward for Emery now? Well, I mean, it's difficult because everyone has their own system and you can't just implement the system of another team as well as them because Wolves have been doing that for, for a year and a half now. 
and they've got the players. They they buy players to fit in, in that system. So they have a back five, the midfield, the, the three centre backs, sorry, all massive. Then they've got two brilliant passers of a ball in the middle, a hold up man, and two very quick wingers. And and that's that's they've built their team around that system. So it's not like another team can go, oh, that's what you do, and they'll just flip fit into that system. Um, but we do need to find a way to play against five at the back. Luckily, I mean, if if this would have been three years ago, it would have been trouble because Chelsea won the league playing five at the back, and and, and everyone wanted to try it. That was the the fad at that time. It seems to have gone already. Um, so you don't see it too often. There's not many times we're going to have to play at five at the back. Off the top of my head, I can't think of anyone else that's that plays regularly at five at the back. Fulham changed against us and tried to, but they didn't know how to play it, which is the point I'm making. They mm. they may have looked at Arsenal and realised, oh, they're, they're not the greatest against five at the back, and and they tried to play it, but they didn't know what they were doing because it, that's not the system they've been drilled into. Yeah. Um, but I can't think of anyone else. So hopefully it's a problem that we don't have to overcome too often. And when teams do do it, hopefully they're not as good at it as Wolves are because it's not normal to them and they make the same mistakes Fulham did. Does anyone um, come to mind and I know I'm putting you on the spot in Europa League? Because that would be maybe where I could think of, you know, going no. into Europa League. No. Uh, no, as I said, it's just one of them fads that seems to have gone. Usually, like, when you get five at the back in amongst the better teams well you don't get it amongst the better teams sorry you get it amongst the, the worst off teams who are literally just using it as a defensive mechanism try and get as many people behind the ball as possible Wolves are not really like that yeah they get a lot of defensive numbers but then they use their pace and their, their hold up men very well um, I mean and then they've got come up to come off the bench they, they've got the players to, to play that and to change that as well so it was like uh, Helder Costa who I thought had a very good game uh, came off and then Adama Traore came on who is a natural replacement so you, you can see they're built into that model um, whereas not every other team is I, I can't think of any any team that you'd say is a, a threat uh, to in say the Europa League or whatnot that play a five at the back mm, okay um, Schwinn you're th- you know you, you touched on Bellerin uh, people said that he, he didn't have too bad a bad game what what did you actually what was your take on Bella and, and Mustafi? I'll, I'll tackle Mustafi first because I thought in terms of the center backs, I thought he was more comfortable. I thought he looked better defensively. Uh, of course, you know, the way the game panned out, every time Helder Costa got on the ball, Holding found himself isolated. And as Tony said, Helder Costa had so much time and space that with his pace, he was going to pose trouble for Holding. So maybe it's a bit, bit harsh to to say that Holding had the worst game, but it, you know, in the in the duels that happened, Holding definitely came off worse. Where Mustafi really troubled me was with his passing. You know, there, there was a time in the second half where we were trying to ping in balls behind their back line, and none of them came off except the one where Hector Bellerin just found himself in a lot of space because I think it was Willie Bolly who just misjudged the flight of the ball and, and couldn't quite get his head on it. And hold and Bellerin latched onto the ball and tried to find Aubameyang, who was making a very good run near post. But the cross just ended up into the side netting, and, it was, and you could tell that Bellerin was frustrated with himself. But on the whole, I thought Bellerin had a very poor game. I, I, I don't understand why he tends to go square and reverse so much. You know, he has so much pace and 
today, I mean, yesterday, he even had a Wobi in front of him. So he had the option of playing the ball around the corner and making runs. You know, we seriously lacked runners from deep yesterday. That's why when Ramsey came on, things started to look a bit better. You know, the goal came off a, a Ramsey late run that eventually obviously led to a corner from which Mkhitaryan's uh, swerved in a ball and that just eluded everyone, thankfully. But when you have a compact defense, the way Wolves were narrow, compact, uh, they were also very much deep. So you need runners to to jig their, their system about. And that was non-existent yesterday. You know, Mazadoza likes to be on the ball. Alex Obi gets attracted towards the ball. Uh, obviously, Lucas Torre and Granichok are not going to make those runs. And that's where you expect Lacazette and Aubameyang to to really click and, and sort of be on that telepathic level. You know, we talk about the partnership they've formed, but on the field, we've really not seen anything special from them so far. And yesterday, they were not on it at all. Forget the, the partnership angle, but even in terms of, of, you know, individual quality, they just lacked it. And Aubameyang was obviously very unlucky in, in not finishing that chance. But It's not unlucky. It, I, yeah, well, I, was, I, mean, I was going to... to go into that a little bit with Tony because you get the frustration, Tony, that um, Schwinn's sitting on the bench, you know. He started with Bella and Mustafi, and then he's flip-flopped around with Lacazette and Aubameyang. Tell us what's wrong with them, Schwinn. Have a go, mate. I'm telling you, they're not running. <laughs> they're, not, they're not taking initiative. I mean, th- that's what it is. Okay, what do, we, what do we do to fix it? How do we fix this shit? You, you need more energy in the team. You, you need people to take risks. And that's what we liked yesterday. It's as simple as that. Tony? I mean, it was, it was sorry, just quickly, it was shades of what we saw under Arsene Wenger that give Mesut Ozil or Alexis Sanchez, who obviously wasn't on the pitch yesterday, but give one of them the ball and let them do something. Yeah, mate, I'm getting no arguments out of you, but I just, I just, I just feel you're holding back a little bit. Let it Still? Rip. Let it rip, son. <laughs> let it rip. <laughs> okay, Tony, um, Abemiang Lacazette, mate, let us know. Tell us. Well, they're just like, Aubameyang couldn't run in behind. So then you've got to rely on him poaching. Especially, look, forget him on the left because there's just no point going over it. He can't play there. We've done, we've said it every week. I don't care how many scores playing from the left. I'm a huge Aubameyang fan. Everyone knows. But play, he can't play from the left. I've moaned about it every week. So let's move on from that. Second half, they're defending deep. So he can't use his pace in behind. So you've got to get the ball in the box as often as possible. And we just didn't do that. As Schwinn said, we moved the ball way too slow. We didn't take any risks. They've got so many people behind the ball, you kind of have to take risks. But we didn't. We were safe. We had 76% possession, I think, but we didn't create a thing. Then he gets his one chance, and, and Schwinn said it's unlucky. It's not. It's shit. You've got to score from there. You should have scored, though. Not even should it. You have to. You have to. Yeah. I, I don't. I don't really want to hammer him because he usually is so clinical from there. But you should be. That's his job. Mm. The same. The same. I've seen people say, "Oh, Lacazette was unlucky in the first half." No, he wasn't. He, he should have hit it first time, yeah. and it would have gone in. And then why he's taken the touch, I don't know because he's taken it into traffic. And then even when he's got, look, it's hard. Then after he's taken the touch, there's three people in front of him, but he's just smashed it as hard as he can and straight. If you've taken that touch, you've got to have the composure to try and pick a spot. And then if someone saves it, you go, fair enough. But you can't just lash at the ball. Or if you're going to lash at the ball, do it first time. Mm. Both of them were just shit yesterday. But we didn't help them either. I'm, I'm not, you could dig out every single player pretty much. But when, when you, you struggle to score goals and, and, and finish chances, you, you always look at the strikers. So them two were poor. Hector just 
I, I'm not sure what he does anymore. I really don't have a clue. And <laughs> like, I thought he, he wasn't too bad, though. Like, he doesn't defend. He wasn't great. Ever. Yeah. He, he never defends. I know it's not his fault, but the left winger has scored their goal. The right back is 20 yards away. That's always going to be a problem. I know there's a t- turnover, but watch their goal again. All right, Xhaka's lost the ball. There's so many mistakes in that goal. Yeah. First off, Kolasinac shouldn't give Xhaka the ball. It's a bad pass from Kolasinac. That's can, can I say something mistake. before you go on, Tony? Um, I mean, I, I, I've seen I've seen people give Grant a lot of hate for that, but on initial viewing, I actually thought that ball was mishit by Kolasinac. I think he's actually trying to find Mustafi there. I mean, it's a theory. There's obviously no proof to this. But the way he, he shapes up his body and tries to swing swing at the ball, uh, I actually think he was actually trying to find Mustafi. Because in the run-up to that pass, Granit Xhaka actually looks over his left shoulder and he sees where Mustafi is. It wasn't, uh, and it wasn't also sees, fault. I mean, well, look, we, we can talk about whether he should leave the ball or not. We can talk about whether he should have the awareness. But I think the way he shapes up, look, football is very physiologically telepathic that way. You have you see how how your teammate is shaping up to play a pass, right? And we've seen a lot of times midfielders in that position will open their legs because they know the ball has a lot more pace on it. And maybe that's what Grant was expecting because he was so close to Kolasinac that he probably knew that this ball is not meant for me. But it was just not hit with enough pace that it reached Mustafi ever. What do well, you guys make of that? Well, just to going through the goal as a whole, as I said, first, whether it was meant for him or not, it's a horrendous ball to play. His body shape can only take, once Xhaka gets it, can only take him back into traffic of people that are quicker than him. So it's a terrible ball. I, I actually agree with you. I think it was a poorly hit ball to Mustafi. But having said that, Granit cannot leave that ball. As you said, he had a look around. So he knew that Mustafi was never going to get that ball. So, as I, you know, I always say there's so many mistakes that usually go into a goal unless it's one huge mistake. So it's a horrendous ball by Kolasinac. Not horrendous, it's a ball he shouldn't play. Granite has to be clever enough to, to, even if he lumps the ball 70 yards, to know that he can't let a ball run there. You've got to be able to judge that weight of pass. Then after, watch, one thing I've not seen anyone criticise, at no point does Bellerin run. And Caviero comes in off the off the wing Mustafi can't go with him because Helder Costa was on his own at the back post had Bellerin sprinted back and covered Mustafi could have got over earlier and maybe would have got a clearance maybe not but he was caught in two minds because Hector didn't even try and run I just as I said I started this rant because it's about Hector I don't know what he does he never defends he doesn't seem to sprint anymore he never gets in behind and when he does he picks the wrong ball even for that Aubameyang chance and look that is Aubameyang's fault he has to score there but I don't get why Hector zipped that ball in. He doesn't need to put it put it across that hard. He could have rolled that ball across, and Aubameyang has... Look, it's an easy chance anyway, but he has an actual tap-in if Hector plays that ball properly. But he's just in this mindset at the moment where he zips everything across the box regardless of situation. He never rolls anything across. It's just so frustrating. Like, I don't understand what he does. Why is he there? I'm at the point I would actually rather play Maitland-Niles. Because he does everything Hector does, but he's better on the ball. He's got composure. He actually seems to use his pace. And even if he can't defend, Hector can't fucking defend anyway or don't want to. Mm. Just on that goal, though, I have to – and you, you you went to that next bit of, you know, and I know, you, I know you're ranting about Bellerin at the moment, so I'm <laughs> happy for you to keep rolling. But um, 
you have to blame you have to look at Klozenach and, and and Granite. Like I'm not saying I blame Granite totally, um, and I, I said like it wasn't Granite's fault. But what I meant was, I don't care what Granite should have done. He, he should have just take the fucking put the ball out or something, restart, reset, let's start it again. It was that's where I probably think it was a bad decision by him. To look at Mustafi and Bellerin, I think, yeah, he probably drew a short straw to have a shot at Bellerin. No, but... I don't, I'm not blaming Mustafi at all. <laughs> yeah. Mustafi couldn't commit to the front post because Helder Costa was behind him on his own. And if that was the case, you'd go, okay, Mustafi's probably done the right thing. He's hedged his bets. But when you see that Hector doesn't run at all, had Hector ran, then Mustafi could have made that decision earlier. And it may have made absolutely no difference, but give the guy a chance. Mm-hmm. Hector's given Mustafi absolutely no chance there. Mm-hmm. Watch it again. I will watch that again, actually, yeah. Because I, I, I didn't notice that, what you were talking there, so I'm going to watch that again. Yeah, watch, watch when Caballero yeah. puts it in. I'm pretty sure it's Helder Costa at the back post just chilling on his own. But Mustafi can't make that early move to Caballero because if he goes too early, then Helder Costa's on his own at the back post. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it makes Mustafi, it, takes, it makes him an extra second to move and... That that's what that's why Caballero is on his own. Okay, I'll rewatch that. Um, now let's. I, I will add just quickly on that goal. You know, I, I bailed out Granite in, in my viewing. I could be wrong uh, in terms of the pass that Kalasnach played, but how he gets beat on that one-two when Cavallero just plays the ball into Jimenez, and Granite just gets completely turned in that moment. Well, that's, he, that's the other thing. His body shape, his body shape was bad, and and Holden should have been tighter as well. Yeah. So, I mean, as you said, Tony, there's there's you know a string of errors that usually leads to a goal, and you know just because I defended Granit on that one attempt, you know the the second one is inexcusable. You know you have to know better, and and he's played in those positions before. It's not uncharted territory for him. He he has to be aware of of how. Cavalera is going to run into the box. There's nowhere else for him to run into. So th- that's something that, you know, I think it was panic to an extent. And that that instance in particular is unforgivable. Okay, let's look at a positive. We got the draw and Mkhitaryan got the goal. Go through that one for us, Tony. He crossed it. It went in. <laughs> It wasn't a bad. It wasn't a bad much analysis on it. it was, we took a short corner. It wasn't. It's a great ball. Mm. I'm I'm a huge advocate of when you're crossing from the wrong side, as in if you're right footed crossing from the left, just aim for the back post because the keeper can't really do anything because any touch takes the ball the other way, like into the goal, and so you can't gamble on it going back post. And then if he stays in the middle of the goal, you can score in two ways. So it's an excellent ball, but. I mean, how much can you really analyse? He's crossed the ball and he's gone in. I just watched that, yeah. And I just watched that back again. You're dead right with Bellora. As I said, it just doesn't allow Mustafi to cover. So he goes I'm over. Mustafi, Mustafi. Yeah, Mustafi can't get there. Bellora, he drops back, but he's... Yeah, I see what you're saying. Mm. Like, it's not, that's not even ability. Just run. Just sprint. And put your body in a place where it helps your other defender. Just looking, gets a ball. Granite should have fucking hit. Granite, uh, I'm going to blame Granite actually a little bit. Watching this back, Granite should have actually had a bit, like, I'm on the highlights, obviously. It probably didn't go back far enough. 
I don't know why Granite let him run to start with the pass at ball. As I said, I agree with Schwinn. I don't actually think he was the intended target. And if he was, it's a, it's a terrible decision by Kolesnac. But regardless of that, you can't leave a ball in the centre of midfield. You just can't do it. I agree. Agree totally. And, and he tends to do that, Kolesnac. I mean, uh, there was another attempt that Wolves had. I think it was Jimenez. Uh, or no, I think it was Helder Costa. I mean, we, we got the ball back. I think Holding recovered the ball in our box, plays it to Kolasinac, who's in, who's in some space, who just stitches up Lucas Torreira. And there's three Wolves players converging on Torreira, who obviously is out-muscled. And then Leno, of course, made probably his easiest save on the day. But it seems Kolasinac is happy to give the ball to one of his teammates in a defensive position and just bomb forward hoping to then you know, combine an attack. And as a defender, your first responsibility obviously has to clear the danger. And I think in certain situations, Kolasinac doesn't quite trust himself in, in being able to wriggle out of areas. And that, that you know, not only showed on the, on the goal we conceded, but also in that other instance. Yeah, look, it's, it's not pretty, boys. It's not pretty. Um, okay, let's try and roll through here. Um, man of the match, have we got one, Tony? Oh, Leno by an absolute mile. Yep. Schwinn? Yep, kept us in the game, and if it wasn't for him, we'd probably have lost it, and the scoreline would have been an absolute disaster. You know, even yeah. late on, I think, uh, Adama Traore got in behind a couple of times, uh, he obviously made a save of Diego Jota's attempt. Again, I don't know where Bellerin was for that. Uh, maybe he was around, and I'm just giving him shit unfairly, but why not? And he was—he was even—he even showed some leadership. I think you know he tried to calm his teammates down, tried to rouse them up when required. So uh, I was very impressed by Leno yesterday. To be fair, the best save he made, and for me it was genuinely world-class, as he, he made a save from Helder Costa when it was on the break, which I thought was top drawer in itself, but then dived on the ball and, and took a kick to the head or chest from, I think it was Jimenez. And that's pure, first it's a world-class save, and then secondly it's pure bravery to throw yourself on the ball like that. And I know we can say that's what we expect of keepers, but they wouldn't all do that. Or they would half do it, so they would put their arm in the way but move their head out of the way to try and protect themselves, and then the ball would probably go loose and someone would have a tap in. So it, it showed everything. I thought he had an excellent game yesterday. And as I said, it could have been 3 4 nil before Mkhitaryan's cross even went in with some of the saves he made. And um, I think the, the commentators, as I said, when I watched match of the day last night, were raving about um, Leno. And, and the only other time he was beaten was by a Morgan Gibbs-White shot, which was fucking unbelievable. Um, and, and we got away with it there as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that, that's a very good point because if you... You know, th- those things we don't really consider very highly, but just imagine if Czech was in goal yesterday. And this is not me digging Czech out. You know, anyone who's listened to the podcast knows I, I'm a big Czech fan, but Czech has had an injury to his head. And with that psychology, do you see him jumping onto that ball? Maybe, but, you know, I, I wouldn't necessarily put money on that because he would have have the fear of being struck in the head and he knows what it's like to go through that. So for, for Leno to just pounce on that ball, knowing that there's contact coming, um, I don't think he eventually got hit on his head. I think he got hit on his hand. But still, that, that's very, very courageous for him to just jump in like that. Football's a funny game, though, boys, isn't it? Last week, we were fucking, you know, cheerios, happy days. And look at us fucking go. We're top four. This week, we fucking busted asses and we look like six. So it's a funny old game. And... Couple of weeks off, and Bournemouth comes along, and we, we, you know, we could be back up on 
we we get a good win against Bournemouth and we're top four and happy days again. So yeah, just just an, another thing I'm I'm going to criticise because it needs saying, but I'm saying I'll say it every week. He has to stop playing first team players in these. I was going to say that. It fucking bugs me too. And I know Welbeck got injured and Bemian got on, but surely was somebody else there. Where's Eddie? Yeah, well, yeah, he got he got ready to come on and then Lichtsteiner got injured, so they had to bring Maitland-Niles on instead. But it's like, it won't be played 90. Mm. Um, Mickey played, played a part. Like, these games just, they don't fucking matter. We're already through. Even if we lost that game, we would have needed one point from fucking carrier bag at home and Vorskla Politava, I think they're called away. Like, one point. Mm. And that's even if we lost that game. And Sporting didn't come to win that game. I'm pretty sure if they would have said to their manager before the game, let's just play a shit nil-nil draw, we both go through, they'd have probably been delighted. But we fucking we keep playing these first-team players. One of Holding played 90 again. Like... He's got. We haven't even got, got into the FA Cup and that what's it that fucking EFL, the energy fucking bull, whatever that shit fucking thing is. What's that? EFL Cup. EFL Cup, yeah. Um, he literally has to stop play, trying to play our first team all the time. Mm, I agree. I, in a way, I want this because I think he's half playing because of this run now, this unbeaten run. So I want us to beat Bournemouth and then I think we've got Vorskler away. And in all honesty, I want us to lose that game. Then, Not that I ever want Arsenal to lose, but yeah, but that'll bring stops back the pressure the of keeping on the run and going 17, 18, 20. But you're playing, you're, you're taking your first team to fucking Ukraine mm. on a Thursday night for a game you're already through. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's fucking frustrating, isn't it? But I think you're right. I don't, I don't think, like, in the media are going, you know, 13 in a row, 14 in a row. And Emery's probably thinking, fuck, we're done all right here, 15, 16 in a row. But that that draw wasn't pretty. Like that was very lucky, um, and I don't want Arsenal to lose either. But fuck, I reckon the boys would have been a bit panicky on that game. Um, you boys want to get in some questions? Just got a few here. Let's do it. Darren Dupree. Uh, is it time to bring some younger, more hungrier players in the starting side? I certainly think so, Tony. Uh, I've probably overreacted in a lot of the stuff I've just said, and we're going to get a lot of the overreactions in questions. As always, I've not read them, so I don't know, but I assume we're going to get a lot of overreaction in questions. As you said, last week we was all happy as Larry, and, and now we're talking about giving giving young players games because we did have one bad and very flat performance. I'm not. I'm not going to sit here and say, "Oh, we should be dropping a Bamiang and Lacazette and giving Eddie a chance in in the league." Because let's be honest, they're both better than Eddie, and it's what we need. But we we just need to be better than we were yesterday. These, this group of players, and I saw Schwinn had had a rant on uh, on Twitter last night, saying that this group of players have been good for us. They've had good games. They've had games and not flat. So I don't think the answer is wholesale changes or even any changes really. Just this group of players need to be as good as they have been previously and not as flat as they were yesterday. I think you can maybe put it down to a bad day at the office or whatever, but I don't think the answer is we need to bring four players in and, and whatnot. I just think we need to get these players to play better, and uh, which they have done. It's not like they're not capable. They've, mm. they've done it two weeks ago or a week ago. Yeah. So perform better. 
<laughs> just a bad day at the office. Look, I, I presume is what you said, but uh, a bad day at the office, and let's hope it was only that. But like at the start of the season, and I know you're not the biggest fan of Bella and Tony, but I sat here on this podcast and I said, we have not got a fucking team like Manchester City. Did did any of you boys give a Wobie a chance this season? Uh, Bellerin, Mustafi, Holding, Klozenhatch, like, uh, that's off the top of my head. Um, to, uh, yeah, they, I, don't, you know, I agree. Like, we have a team Man City, but the issue is, and this is what Schwinn's point was on Twitter, I saw him arguing with someone, was that these players have been good for us this season. So there's no point saying, oh, we didn't give them a chance at the start of the season. If they'd been shit the whole time, you could go, okay, we knew they were shit. Yeah. But they were good literally seven days ago, They've or eight great. days been brilliant. So, so when they're bad, you can't go, oh, well, they're just not good enough players because they were a week ago. Mm. So I think it does just come down to, as you said, bad day at the office, just be better. That's why I don't think it comes down to we need this amount of changes and whatnot. The players just need to perform how they have done a couple of weeks ago and, and in, in quite a lot of games this season and not like the complete idiots that they played like yesterday. I haven't been on Twitter for probably a couple of weeks or a week or something. Um, what's fucking Schwinn going on about there? Oh, asking. Go on, Schwinn. What's going on? Well, you guys pretty much nailed it on the head with that little discussion. That was exactly my point that, you know, I, I was very frustrated after the game. I still am. And my whole point was, you know, there's obvious gaps in our team that Emery could do with in terms of bringing in new personnel that that really fit his ideology and the way he wants to play. There is no doubting that. I am not questioning that. But at this moment, we have seen that our players can play better than they did yesterday. And that was simply my point. You know, it seems that ever since Emery has come in, it is a big no to criticizing the team, individual players, and particularly the manager. And I don't understand that. You know, we got rid of Arson for a reason, and that doesn't mean that we will be very passive in terms of voicing our concerns. You know, that that's very hypocritical. In my view, yesterday, Emery got plan A wrong and plan B wrong. I think plan B was better than plan A, but it was nowhere near where it needed to be. And I think a lot of times, when when what's what what you're trying to do is not working, you need to make some bold decisions and you have to make them early. I think our subs were left too too late as well yesterday. Fifteen minutes left, that's when you bring on two players who you think are gonna change the game. That's too late. Yesterday's responsibility lies solely with Emery. And as Tony said at the top of this podcast, that he lost that pragmatic uh, sense that he usually brings into these games to remove the opposition, we have to respect the opposition. And Wolves are no mugs. You know, they, just because they've been promoted this season doesn't mean that you discount them. Every game in the Premier League is different and, and it's going to be difficult. And Emery, for, for me, did not earn his paycheck yesterday. I might be, might be being harsh, but I'm trying to make a point here that we have to be open to criticism when it comes to, comes to, the, to the new manager. And every time you say something on Twitter or, or wherever you, you talk Arsenal, it seems as if the, the argument is he needs time. He needs time. And I understand that. I said at the top of the season that he'll need at least a season to get everything in order at least. But on individual days, you can see glaring mistakes that the manager is making, the players are making. And for some reason, our fan base wants to give them immunity, and I'm not one for that. Um, you make a very good point, Schwinn, and as, as everybody here does, it's, 
would probably all agree with each other, I suppose. So it's very hard to have a counter argument with it. Um, however, do you think fatigue is playing a bit of a role here with the players? I, I do. I think. I mean, there's there's physical fatigue and there's mental fatigue. I think a lot of times. You know, play uh, fans put a lot of impetus on the big games. You know, when we were playing the Liverpools, the Man Cities, and and whatnot. But I, in fact, think it's harder for <clears throat> for players like you know, I don't want to name names, but I think it's harder for some of our players to get out of bed for the so-called inferior teams. And that's where mental strength comes in. I don't think it was a lot to do with physical exhaustion yesterday. Uh, there, there was an element of it. Don't get me wrong, but you know, some of our players didn't play against Sporting. Grand Chaka was not involved. Mesut Ozil was not involved. Lacazette was not involved. Uh, Hector Bellerin wasn't involved. And there's no excuse for making wrong decisions in key moments. You can tell if a player is out of breath and is really struggling physically. I don't think that was the case yesterday. I think that was simply not having the mental strength from the beginning to the end of finding ways of overcoming the adversity. And you need that extra motivation. And I'm very surprised that we, we displayed some of the characteristics we did yesterday because that's not what you expect from Emery. That's not what we've seen so far from his team. And yesterday was a very, very different sort of psyche we witnessed. Even from the manager on the touchline, I, I, don't, I don't remember seeing a lot of uh, jigging up. I don't remember seeing a lot of impetus being put on players i don't remember seeing him talking to players and asking them to do things differently obviously i don't know what happened at halftime but he's very animated on the touchline and it seemed to me yesterday at least watching on the telly that he just didn't have answers and when you when you when you see a manager like that without any answers then the players obviously feel a bit drained as well they feed off of each other and yesterday was quite a disaster in that view yeah, fucking hell, let's hope we beat Bournemouth, eh? I think it's going to be, I mean, I don't want to say it's going to be easier, but I think the way Bournemouth play, it's going to sort of feed into the way we like to play. Mm. Uh, they're not going to be very compact defensively. They'll, they want to come and play. That's how Eddie, li- Eddie Howe likes to usually shape up. Um, let's hope that will be the case because with that comes more open space, more time in certain cases, certainly behind the back line of the opposition. But, you know, we need to find ways of, of digging deeper when, when defenses come to just park the bus. And, and we need that, that incision and we need that sort of clinic. You know, Mesut Ozil, for all the praise I put on, put on him personally, I don't think he had a very impressive game yesterday. A- apart from that one chance. Yeah, yeah he did nothing. Apart from the one chance that he created for Lacazette, he didn't really, he wasn't really able to do a, a whole lot, you know, going towards the left side, trying to combine with Klasnach, trying to combine with Ron and Chaka, but just no creativity, lack of ideas. You, you could see the frustration on him um, at the very end when he even got booked. Yeah, waste the spice. Yeah, not, not his day yesterday. And <laughs> just baiting you up, brother. <laughs> no, but it, it's oh, no, true, isn't I know, I know. Well, he did no good game, but mate, nobody did. So it's, it's, I'm agreeing with everybody. Like Nobody had a good game yesterday. Leno obviously did because, of, you know, it could have been four, five. Who fucking knows what, what it could have been? But um, there was no creativity, um, and I, I know a bit. Like Tony mentioned, Abema Yang Lacazette. Uh, you know, they, they missed them a couple of sitters, and that's that's obviously what they're getting criticised over. And they didn't have a good game either. But 
people will probably argue, did they get the ball from the midfields? You know, was the creativity there for them to actually do anything, I suppose, is the, is the, is the argument for it. But I don't know. Nobody really had a good game, did they? Um, if mids yeah, I mean, aren't performing, the strikers aren't performing, it's, it's hard. Yeah, I mean, they didn't have much created for them, but there's two things. When they did, they both fucked up very good chances. Yep. And their movement, they were both so flat and stale. Aubameyang had nowhere to go in behind. And then because we weren't getting the ball wide, it just he basically stood still. And then, I mean, Lacazette came short and didn't really link up well, didn't do anything. His, his movement was poor. Just He just wasn't a threat. Neither of them were a threat. I'm not digging out one over the other. So, yes, they had nothing created for them, for, for them by anyone else, but they didn't help themselves by standing still. Look when Ramsey came on. And I know that defenders have them to think about on the pitch, but one run from deep and for the goal, he he missed the one-on-one that he should score. But that's come from his movement and a deep run. Them two weren't moving or they weren't moving into threatening positions. So a little bit of movement and straight away we get a chance. As I said, the keeper makes a good save from Ramsey and we score from the corner. Hmm. But they, yes, there was nothing created, but they didn't help themselves by pretty much standing still. Hmm. You think it's fatigue as well? Um, I don't know. I mean, when whenever anyone has a shit day at the office, there's always all these excuses offered. Mm. Uh, I don't know. He, he prides us on being really fit. I think up until a couple of weeks ago, I haven't checked recently, we had ran more than, than any other team. But then, as I said at the time, the players are playing more games because they're being made to play any stupid competitions that we could get through with, with half sides. And, and we're playing our, our top players at... There's always at least one top player that's playing every week. Um, I don't know. I, I don't think. I don't think. As a, I'm not sure about mental fatigue. Look, as anyone would be guessing. In terms of physical fatigue, I don't think it really came into it because the way when a team lets you have the ball naturally, you don't do as much running as them because you're dictating play. Yesterday wasn't a game where we ran our socks off. As I said, with, with um, Lacazette and Aubameyang not putting in much movement. We moved the ball about side to side a lot, but there wasn't a lot of sprinting and a lot of running, so I don't see how that game could make you tired. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to, um, and you mentioned about Abemiang, and we've all said it on this podcast, you know, like we, we don't like Abemiang playing on the left. Um, but there's going to be people probably comment and say to you, Tony, that, um, you know, Abemiang did get the player of the month in October. Yeah, he started one game. Thank you. That's all. Just after an answer. <laughs> Look, I love Aubameyang it's clear to anyone that listens and obviously you two know because we speak off air but from the he offers you nothing on the left as as a winger with invert like in commas he, he obviously so what he got five goals uh, two off the bench at Fulham two off the bench against Leicester and then he got a goal at Palace when he started and played poor wasn't in the game. He's. It's almost like playing with ten men with him on the left, but that the invisible eleventh man can pop up and score. I don't mean to call him invisible. I know that's got negative connotations, but he offers you nothing unless unless the ball's in and around the box, which is a brilliant trait for a striker. And people have made very good careers. Ruvan Nistori was known a legend for doing that. Done absolutely fuck all unless the ball was in the box, and then was excellent when the ball was in there. And he played for one of the best United sides he ended up at Real Madrid that's fine as a striker you can't do that as a left winger mm. fucking hell we've got to sort 
I, don't, I think Emery's got a problem. I think he's going to have to work out, do I, do I switch? Look, and I'm switching like that's not an option, really. But we all know, Awobi plays better on the left. I'd, I'd probably like to think, and, and you've you've all pretty much said it, I think Schwinn agreed with us, um, Abemiang's probably better starting up front more so than Lacazette. But then, who do you have on the right? That's... I mean, the right's going to be an issue. No matter, We haven't got a player to play there, so regardless of who plays up front, who plays on the left, the right's always going to be an issue. Mm. It's a difficult one because we spoke about it before. I think Lacazette's probably more important to the team than the way he builds up. And links play. Yeah. Bamiyang's not the. I mean, but Lacazette's nowhere near the goal scorer. Bamiyang is. As I said, uh, he got player of the month, and it, and it was probably deserved. He got a goal or assist every twenty minutes or something when you were twenty player minutes. But of his five goals and one assists, there was only one from the start. Even his assist was off the bench at Fulham. So you do. Then you say, yeah, oh, is he better coming off the bench? And you kind of think, well, just. Mm. Yeah. 60 million pound roughly striker probably our best player at least he's in the argument mm. do you slide on the bench seems a bit silly doesn't it yeah yeah um, okay um, well, just quickly on that too <laughs> yeah um, we've said it before you know obviously we're playing Bournemouth Eddie Howe did get the manager of the month in October whether it was well deserved yeah. I don't know but yeah he did get it yeah um, Zaza, Zaza, Schwinn, what do we do with Mickey? Play him on the right. I don't want to see Wobby on the right. And as, as you guys just spoke, we don't have the ideal player for the right. And I, I completely agree with that. But I think Mkhitaryan is the only one that's that's suited on the right. Whether you see that in terms of creativity, you see the partnership he had at the beginning of the season with Hector Bellerin. I think he, he can do a bit more in tracking back. I don't disagree with that. But I think he's also one who likes to take a bit of more risk. You know, yesterday when he came on, he wasn't very effective. He was rather poor, actually, apart from that one moment where he produced some quality and luck. But you can see that he's trying to do things. He's he's not trying to play it safe. And, of course, yesterday was, you know, a situation that warranted him to to take some risk. But I think overall, the reason why people don't, like Mkhitaryan is because he loses the ball a whole lot and you know that's a complaint we had with Alexis as well I'm not comparing the two but I think Mkhitaryan has a bit of a risk edge towards to him that he likes to thread balls I think he likes to try difficult things and he takes a lot of burden off of Mesut Ozil who yesterday I thought was burdened with a lot of creative responsibility and Wolves did pretty well to to snuff him out if if you have another creative force in the team, I think that will that will at least give the opposition something to think about. Uh, I, I remember discussing with you guys, I think a couple of weeks ago, that Mkhitaryan has a contract clause that that warrants a sixty percent increase upon extension. So it's safe to say that he's not going to be with us for too long. But at the moment, I think he's our best option on the right. Um, my only worry with him on the right is and it's it's always going to be a worry because what I was actually thinking was um, and we always take the piss when and I, I you know I love us as much as um, you know every other Arsenal fan but we, we take the piss with each other but Ozil on the right Mickey at 10 um, but either way or either option we have Bellerin on the right 
who, as Tony said, can't fucking defend for shit. So that is my worry with whichever way you go, Mkhitaryan or Ozil. Well, I, I don't think Ozil on the right is the right thing to do, defensively or offensively. I think that that puts Bellerin in a much more precarious situation. Um, I, we, I also think the way Mesut likes to drift in, drift in field, if you have Bellerin in a spell of possession high up and Mesut is central or left of the field, then that leaves a very, very big hole in the middle of the park. So that that's a very, very dangerous thing to do, I feel. If you have Ramsey at 10, that's understandable because Ramsey can do a lot of Mesut running for him. But with Mickey, I'm not so sure. Mm-hmm. I, just, I just wonder... I see Mkhitaryan as he seems to get have a, a really good combination with Aubameyang, but with Aubameyang on the left, Mickey on the right, that the combination doesn't really flourish as much as you'd like it to. Um, I just don't know. That's where I think where well, Mickey, Mickey playing ten Aubameyang up front for me and Özil on the right, I think he'd be crossing the balls a lot better than Bellerin. Um, I think that'd probably work better for me. But I don't know. It's just my opinion too. Well, there's there's a couple of things there. Number one is when when a play is in in our when when we are the ones controlling the game, then we don't necessarily line up as a four two three one. We'll have our wing backs push up high. One of Lucas Torreira Granchaka drops as a center back, so we switch to a sort of a three defender system. Mesut Ozil and Mkhitaryan in this case will move in centrally. And Lacazette and Aubameyang will move up t- up top, and the width comes from the fullbacks. So, in that case, Mkhitaryan and Aubameyang become closer to each other. So, we might not have a lot of times when Mkhitaryan can switch with Aubameyang and connect with Aubameyang, but in terms of possession spells, he will be able to. But I wouldn't have Aubameyang on the left anyway. You know, I I oh that's what I say. I'd Aubameyang. have Aubameyang up front. I'd have I'd have Mickey in ten. I'd have Özil. Ozil on the right, and I'd have bloody Awobi on the left. I think that's been an option. I, I'd and probably I'd, go for something similar, except Ozil at 10 and Mkhitaryan on the right. Yeah, but then what do you fucking do with Lacazette? So hard. Look, you, 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 play one of, you, you play one of the two, depending on the opposition. Maybe even sit Mesut Ozil in some games and play Ramsey, because I feel with Lacazette and Ramsey, you have a bit more, because Laka likes to drop deeper. And then Ramsey likes to bomb one forward. That creates space for a player to run run up top. So if Lacazette is playing, then see it depends what sort of an opposition system you're playing. And yesterday, obviously, Ramsey benefited from that more than Mesut Özil did. Mm-hmm. That's a tough one. Anyway, we will continue to roll on. Just, and we'll, yeah, go. Just to add on that, sorry, quickly, just on the last bit about Ramsey. I think it's the first time all season we've seen him played in probably the position he'd like to play. I'd say the first month of the season, he was too high up. And then we've seen him recently in the Carabao Cup and in the Europa League. And for me, he's been too deep. And yesterday, it seemed to be they they let him play in his natural join-in in the box, make late runs. And to be honest, he he was on the pitch for, it seemed like, about 10, 15 minutes and looked like our most threatening player. Because he he made them deep runs. And as I said, the goals come from his late run and he should have scored. But... I think that's the first time under Emery we've seen Ramsey play where he actually wants to or where he's actually best, and, and it suited him. But unfortunately for Ramsey, that role isn't there week in, week out. Mm-hmm. But this is where, as I said, we see uh, Emery as this tactical guy who caters to the opposition, 
and he didn't do that yesterday. And I feel if he did, Ramsey would have been key for that. And as I said, I would have rang one at half time. Mm. I agree. I agree. I agree with everything you said. Um, I'm just going to throw another spanner in the works, and, and Moen Schwinn was just talking about, you know, the Mkhitaryan on the right and whatnot, Tony. There's, there has been a lot of Arsenal fans talking about Reese Nelson coming back in January. I'm not sure what his contract is. But where does that throw things in the works if that was to happen? Because we've got a lot of coverage. Well, we've got no coverage there, but we've got a lot of players that we can't fit in the team now. Yeah, I mean, for me, it'd be a terrible idea to bring him back. Um, one, he's been playing pretty central anyway, so he's not been playing on the right. Um, I think we've sent him there to learn his craft, and and, and he's doing that. Um, you don't want to bring him back to to hardly play again. And, and is he ready to start every week for Arsenal? I personally don't think so. Um, so I wouldn't bring him back in terms of, is it possible? There's rumours going around that we had a January, uh, an option to be taken back in January. I'm not sure. If there was a fee uh, for the loan, then there almost certainly isn't the option to bring him back in January unless we pay them the fee back. So you're paying to get your own player back, which is possible, but it's unlikely. So I don't think it will happen that he comes back. If he does, then, yeah, people are going to move about in the pecking order, but it depends what also also what happens with Danny. If Danny's not there, then it doesn't actually move anyone anywhere because Reese takes Danny's place in the squad. I don't mean in terms of position-wise, but the places where Danny was occupying the, the subs bench would now be Reese Nelson, or when Danny was starting, Reese would start. So I don't think it moves anyone about, and it, it lowers anyone's positions in the squad um, due to the injury of Danny. And I think the only time anyone's really mentioned him bringing him back has since Danny's got injured. Mm, okay. Um, right, let's push through to a few of those questions. Um, BND, it like. Bend. Oh, Tez Ben. Bend. Ben. B-N-D. It says fucking B-N-D. It should be Ben. He forgot the E, you clown. Fucking put the E in, you fucking idiot. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Guns. Guns. Gunstab Zero. Hate that fucking name, too. Okay, he's got a question. Miserable cunt. With December coming up, big games, a lot of rotation during the EL games, what do you think will be our game record and why? Schwinn, go for it. I'm not quite sure what he means. Is he asking Let's go. The Next points? fucking question. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't like the question either. Nah, nah. I'm joking, old mate. I love your question, love your name, hate your fucking user thing. Eh? Um, with December coming up, Big games, a lot of rotation during the last EL games. What do you think will be our game record and why? I think he's basically just asking how do you think we'll do in December. Yeah, so we have six games in no. in December That's uh, not in right, the Premier really. League. Oh. In the Premier League. Yeah. So let's just stick with those for now. Uh, that includes Tottenham, United, Huddersfield, Southampton, Burnley, Brighton, Liverpool. So that should be yeah, that's six. Okay. Wow, th- there's some tough games in there. Um, say, say it again for me. I wasn't listening. Tottenham at home. <laughs> yep. United away. Yep. Huddersfield at home. Southampton away. Burnley at home. Brighton away, and then Liverpool away. Fuck. Fuck. That is tough. Yeah. So that's going to be a very challenging period. And then we obviously have Tottenham in the League Cup, which will be a midweek game, I'm guessing. Um, so 
it's games are going to come taken fast. I think there's, there's also a Europa League game in there somewhere. Ooh, yeah, there, there's Carabag, but I'm, I think a that's at home, and b I don't think we can expect to see any starters on that day, surely. So. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Uh, but six games, three of them are going to be tough propositions. I think Brighton is not going to be easy either. It's the day after Christmas. It's away from home. Uh, Brighton are a very stubborn team. So whew. I'm going to be a bit optimistic here, and I'll say we'll get 13 points. Mm. Okay. Right, there you go. Bend it like fuckwit. Um Jesus Christ. Don't abuse our <laughs> listeners. I'm not abusing no one. Oh, he's got another question. Bend it like Ben. Bend it. Bend it. Fucking bend it. I hate that, mate. Is Eddie getting his shot now? Welbeck is gone, or is it a good chance we are going to look for a third striker in January? Uh, I did ask Tony that earlier, but I, did I say Eddie? That's a good, good shout out, Tony. Well, that, look, that's just seen as the natural someone from him within the squad that that plays up front. I, I don't. To be honest, I didn't. Who was on the bench yesterday? Um, I think it was Eddie. I think it was. Yeah. Oh, hang on, I have a look. Yeah. So I think for now he he maybe takes his place on the bench, but he's not going to be used in the same way. Had Danny been on the bench yesterday, a million percent he would have come on. Yeah, um, Eddie was there so, and Maitland Niles. Yeah. So yeah, I knew Maitland Niles was. So. Yeah, Eddie may take his pace, uh, space figure, uh, figuratively in terms of it would have been Danny on the bench, now it's Eddie. But it's not going to be the same. As I said, it, yesterday, if we got to 70 minutes yesterday, there's no way on earth Danny wouldn't have been on that pitch. Whereas Eddie, obviously, it's, it's different. Um, he's obviously not going to be seen as a viable option long, not, not long term, he probably will long term, short term. He's not going to be seen as a viable option. He's not going to get the minutes Danny got. If Danny's out seriously, um, if Danny's out for, say, six months, then that takes him to his end of his contract anyway. Um, and I think we probably will look to sign someone in, in January. Um, it, a lot does hinge on, on Danny's Danny's injury and how long he's out for. But also, uh, Eddie could do himself favours. I mean, look at, look at Rashford at United. No one knew who he was. He came in in a Europa League game because they had about five injuries, scored two, so then he got to start the next game against us, scored two again, and he's never really looked back. So Eddie has got to take a chance if he gets it. As I said, it may be that he starts in the Europa League, gets a goal, he's on the bench the next game, comes on in the last 20, gets another one, and then he starts looking towards the future. So he's going to get limited chances, and he has to he has to do something with them chances to force his name into the team, into Emery's plans for for right now. I have no doubt long-term he's in Emery's plans, but at the moment he's probably not in the plans for this season, but he has the opportunity. He's got an audition, and and it's up to him. With the other chance. Um, and for those who are probably reading reports at Patrick Sheik from Roma, don't want him, don't sign him, and I hope the fucking reports are wrong. In, what, because you support Roma or because he's no, shit? No, 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 because he's shit. He, I don't, don't want him no, in Arsenal. I don't want him in Arsenal. He scored one goal in nine games or something. I don't want yeah, him at no, Roma. Yeah, don't want him at Roma. don't want him in Arsenal. I'm, he might come good, but yeah, no, it's not because not I support Well, Spalletti Roma. said today there's no chance he leaves anyway. Okay. Well, that's good. Well, I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's good and it's not good. I've still got, I'm still stuck with him somewhere. Um... Effie, 
We always play out wide. The amount of times I've seen Lacquer free to run through mid is daft. Don't you think Emery should encourage balls through the middle? Schwinn? I mean, wherever we find space, to be honest, but uh, maybe Afi has some particular instances that he has in mind. I thought yesterday it was very, very compact in the middle of the park. don't really think we had a lot of chances where we could have played Lacazette or Aubameyang through the middle. The only time I actually thought there was some scope of doing that was when we were playing balls from, from deep, from Mustafi. But he couldn't find his range yesterday. I mean... <laughs> It's, it's so hard. I mean, obviously, we're not doubting the, the football IQ of our players. They obviously understand how time and space has to be exploited. Yesterday was, was not one of those cases because we just couldn't operate on, you know, on the wings very well. So I'm not quite sure whether yesterday we had space through the middle, if I'm honest. Okay. Um, Gator Gurney in American sports. Uh, probably Schwinn, your best answer this. In American sports, we always allude allude to looking ahead to the big games or the letdown after the big game because of the mental aspect. Is this the case with Arsenal or are we just, I dare say, not good enough as the pundits state? I think it's it's very difficult to answer this question. I mean, it's been you know one very bad performance, right? After what, 15 games unbeaten? I mean, on the whole... If I had asked you guys, I'm sure at the beginning of the season, would you take it at, at you know this far into the season? I'm sure you guys would have. You know, it's it, it's hard to cast such a wide ranging opinion on the team as a whole. But I think there are aspects to what pundits say that are true. You know, it's it's hard to to maintain that consistency. We, we've seen that yesterday, for example. Uh, but we still got a point which shows some sort of resilience and maybe a bit of luck. Uh, I, I wouldn't say that. It, it, I wouldn't necessarily say that we were we are on the decline, but I think that there is there is room for Emery to worry here that there will be challenges that that may seem easy on paper, they, but they will not be, especially in December and January when when games come thick and fast. So. I also think this this time, this international break has come at the right time. So I'm hoping there will be some sort of injection into Emery, into the, his understanding of the English game and how, how schedule can be an absolute nuisance. So maybe it's a, a warning at a decent time with some tough games coming up. Bournemouth is, of course, uh, one team that is right behind us at the time at this moment. So it's it's going to be you know a bit of a, a a challenge in terms of that. Uh, points lost means they are what one point within within us I think 24 to 20 is the difference right now so maybe it's a it's a warning at the right time Let, let's look at it that way and move on from here um, Tim actually answered that question in about I don't know 10 characters I think we'll know the answer to the question by March there you go Tim you have my spot for next week and <laughs> shows from here on out <laughs> Uh, Jake ran AFCs with us on the Clock and Talk blog spot. Jake, he pumps out some shit with the boys. Um, is it Europa League or bust for us this season, Tony? No, not for me. Um, again, this is another question you probably better answer in February or March. But at the moment, we're, we're still we're obviously through in the Europa League. 
so we don't have to worry about that now until February. Um, and and in that time, that we're only a couple, we're three points off fourth. We're, we're playing well enough to be in the top four. It's a weird one because I I feel like we're at, we're three points behind Tottenham, but I feel like with the way we're playing and the way they're playing, we're actually ahead of them. We probably had a harder fixtures as well. Um, but if we beat Bournemouth next week, they've got Chelsea. So obviously one of them two are going to drop points and it could put us within one or either in the top four again or within one point of the top four. So I, I wouldn't say we're at a stage yet where we're thinking oh, we can sack off the league. We're never going to achieve Champions League qualification via the league um, and just look forward to Europa League. But as I said, in February and March, we could be eight points off and, and have a couple of easy draws in the Europa League. And then you go the way we did last season when we pretty much as soon as we drew Milan, uh, so Osterlund's obviously wasn't really a challenge well it became a challenge but when the draw was made it wasn't seen as a challenge and then the moment we drew Milan which the first leg was played in March we, we sacked off the league and that could be the case again this year but you've all got to see where you are but I'd say definitely at this stage we've got another another three months where for me the league is pretty much our only focus I'd say and, until March it's, it's the league or bust and then when the Europa League comes back again you re- reassess where you are mm. And it's fucking FA Cup or bust. And it's fucking Energy Bull Cup or bust. And it's like, fuck no trophies. Um, I'll stick with you, Tony, because Cosman Butta, he, me and Tony, me and Tony, me and Schwinn went through what we would have, you know, probably done, you know, how we set up. He, he asked, how would you have set up the team differently? I presume he's talking about yesterday. Look, it's difficult because... I probably would have picked the starting eleven he picked. I maybe would have changed out holding for um, Socrates, but I would have gone with that team. So I think I would have made different changes at half time. I would have brought Ramsey on. I probably wouldn't have sacked off the width the way he did. I think he completely disregarded it. Um, but in terms of before the game, and, and you, you guys know I always do this. I always when the team news comes out. I always say, either if I agree with it, what changes I would have been made. So so then if I'm right after the game, I can say I was right. And if I was wrong, I remember a few years ago, I went to Arsenal Tottenham and we were 2-0 down. And I tweeted before that we started Ben Ayun and, and someone else. And I remember like slating him before the game, Wenger before the game. And then we end up winning 5-2. So I can I can comfortably say I was wrong. So I always try and say before the game to stop me being one of these people that in that says oh, it's brilliant before the game and in hindsight they go oh, I would have done this that and the other. I've got to be honest. Before the game I would have picked the same team he did. It's very hard to disagree because like how how can you and I know look people are reacting now because it was a poor game and we drew. But what have we won? Sixteen and oh. What is it? Sixteen undefeated or something? Two draws yeah. in there. So, how how are you going to go? Come out and go. Oh, I'm going to pick these younger players, or I'm going to do this. You're not going to. No one would do that. Like, I don't know why you do that. So, yeah. It's, yeah. It's no, a I mean, I think one. he. I, I think selection, as I said, I think is what most people in reality would have done before the game. As I said, with hindsight, people are saying they would have done this, that, and the other. But I think in reality, I, I saw loads of tweets when the team came out saying, yeah, perfect, exactly what I would have done, blah, blah, blah. Um, I think he should have had a better game plan mm. because it, it seemed like we had none. We uh, said their wingers had the, the freedom of the pitch. We moved the ball too slow. Um, but in, in terms of personnel, I, I wouldn't have done anything different. 
Mm, at the start of the match. No one would. Nobody would. Maybe a white. And then I was thinking maybe a white be on the left, but then what the fuck do you do with a Bemier? So you, you fuck. Of course he's going to start on the right. Socrates yeah, I mean, maybe, as I said, I think the only right. only questionable change would have been potentially Mickey for a white bit. But apart from that, I think that ten of that team yesterday picked itself. Mm. And it's going to every week. Well, yeah, I mean, Socrates is going to come into the argument and. I don't know if he's going to look back at the games like Leicester, like Fulham, where Aubameyang didn't start and we arguably won them more comfortably. Um, but again, it's difficult because Fulham, Danny Welbeck played a huge part, who obviously we're without him now. And, and Leicester, we were pretty shit until Aubameyang came on. So you can look at, oh, we won the games where we started without him. But did I mean, as I said, one of them, the option's taken away because Danny Welbeck can't play. And the other one, the game only changed when he came on. So it is a difficult one. But I'd say at least as at least eight of that team's picking itself. Look, we all said this pretty much at the start of the season. Well, when we started going on a bit of a run. At, look, Emery and... Oh, I know Schwinn might give him a bit of stick here because he's probably sick of kind of saying, oh, fucking give, you know, Emery's a fair go type thing. But... He's still learn. He's still learning, learning this team. This team is still learning him, but we're actually getting results. We haven't gone ten ten losses in a row or anything yet. So it's it's not the end of the world. I don't think. Like, no, it's not the end of the world. But it all comes down to as the argument Schwim was having on Twitter last night. We have seen this group of players under Emery perform better. Mm. Oh so, shit! Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that that's where it comes down to. I, I know what you mean. Oh yeah, they're still learning. But when they perform better under him already, it's like they're learning backwards. Because it's like two mm. weeks ago we were saying they've already learned, mm. and then now this week it's they're still learning. I think yeah. Swim's right. Under at the moment, it seems like I don't even want to say criticism. I couldn't. It seems like at the moment you can't say anything negative without people going oh, this, that, and the other. Yeah, but there is that. always there's always negative aspects. I'm sure City fans find when they drew at Liverpool when they were abject or when they drew against Wolves, they, they would have found negatives. There's always negatives. But at the moment, it seems like we're not allowed to say them. Mm. Have they got fans, like, City? Oh, they're empty chairs. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, I see what you're saying. And I, and I get Schwinn's point too, but... How long do you give him though, boys? How long? At what point do you start saying "fuck"? Like, and Schwinn's, Schwinn's jumped already and said, "Like, you know, it, well, I'll just clarify, Schwinn, you are blaming Emery for yesterday." Partially, yes. Yeah. Yep, yeah. Summer. Yeah, and Tony, you are too. So, okay, so so we're starting to see the 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 turn of you know Emery pull your fucking head in, basically. No, but that's a. This is what I'm saying. It's a very unpopular opinion. Like as I said, Swin tweeted that yesterday, and he got a load of not. I'm not saying abusive comments, but a load of negative comments about it. Yeah. If anyone criticised Emery, it's oh, you've got to give him a chance. But yeah, I agree. We've got to give him a chance. But when we're bad, what do you want me to say? Like I've got. A, if I think he's made mistakes, I'm going to say I think he's made mistakes. Mm. That's not. I'm not saying ah, oh, we had a bad game yesterday. Sack Emery. But if he's made a mistake. What do you want me to do? Ignore it? Oh, no, no. You've got to criticise it. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. At the moment, it seems like you're not allowed to. Mm-hmm. It's ridiculous. Um, I, I don't get on Twitter as much as you two, boys. Uh, Lacazette, has he been copping criticism yet? Is he still getting a fucking ride? 
<laughs> that kid is is the darling of Arsenal fans. He's not gonna get a whole lot of stick just yet, especially with the new manager. And you know, it's it's as if it's his first season all over again. Fucking Teflon Don. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Uh, so Henry Stickland. He's. Oh, I'll just read it because we did touch on it. Do you think that Reese Nelson will be worth getting back in January as? The injury world book looks like it may take him out out of the club football. So, yeah, Moon Tony basically touched on that before. So, thank you, Henry. Um, that RC fella, um, that was absolute shit fest. We only got going in the last 15 minutes. Wolves refused to press, press us and come forward, and we didn't know what to do with that. Are you surprised, like me, that Emery couldn't find a strategy to beat it? Did he set us up wrong from the start yet again? Uh, who wants to tackle that one, Shwin? Uh I agree. I think he he didn't set us up correctly. I, I am very surprised because, you know, although this is Emery's first season in England, uh, there, there was a lot of talk about video analysis, learning the opponent, you know, USBs and all that sort of spiel when Emery came in. And you would imagine with that sort of discipline, Emery himself is very much involved in, in analyzing teams or, or someone from his backroom staff is. And that didn't seem to be the case yesterday. As Tony talked about, this is how Wolves have shaped up in, in, in the past few weeks, months, whatever. So this is this was not a tailored strategy from their part to, to come and snuff us out. They they stick to, you know, they, they basically did what they've done all, all, all this time. And we couldn't find answers. It's it's surprising. It's also humbling. Uh, I think it's it's fair to say that a point rescued will will also be seen that it could have been all three lost. So uh, one thing we've seen from Emery is that he doesn't hold back. He'll he'll keep asking for more, and he'll keep asking for more from himself as well. So I'm not too worried about Emery in that regard. But I think it's it's a very humbling uh, experience that we went through yesterday and. With the tough fixtures coming up, it's it's not the worst thing for us to happen. Okay, um, that I see. Fella also asks, six games since our last PL clean sheet. Our defence is letting us down time and time again. Palace's only good result of late was against us when we conceded twice. Our goal today should have been the winner if Granite double stitch up twice on the goal. Leno, man of the match for me. Agree, Tony? Uh, agree that Leno was man of the match. I think you'd be an idiot if you didn't. Um, in terms of, look, we've been through the goal. Granite makes two mistakes, but there's just it's littered with mistakes. In terms, It's interesting with the, the clean sheets because I think we've had two, Watford and um, Everton, and they've both been with this centre-back pairing. Uh, I know Socrates came off against um, Watford, so it, um, but Holden played the majority of the game with Mustafi. So it's uh, it's a weird one because he's saying, like, oh, do, like, not he's saying, but you think, oh, it's been six games without a clean sheet, do we change it? But it would be changing it back to what hasn't got a clean sheet at all. And uh, what, did, what did we start the season with? Was it six in a row without keeping a clean sheet? 
Yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah so it's, it's the run has been with whoever we've played, it seems. And the only time we have got a clean sheet is when these two have played. And even with the keeper, um, the clean sheets were Watford, where Leno came on, and Everton, where Czech played. Mm. Czech was a hardly man in a match. So Leno's not had a clean sheet start yet in the league, unless I'm forgetting something. No, I think you're right. I don't think he has over. Sorry, just quickly. I think another important aspect of that equation is Lucas Torreira. Because I yeah, think didn't the start. only time we, yeah, the only time we got clean sheets was with him and the team, as opposed to the beginning of the season when Guendouzi was starting. Correct? Yeah, yeah, of course. Mm, so yeah, yeah, he's a big, he's a big part. But that's what I'm saying. It's like you're looking like, oh, do we change the defense? But you're changing it to a defense that hasn't kept the clean sheet. Um, mm. But then you're they, like, the defense didn't have Torreira in front of them. That's right. Um, he came on in in games and. They conceded while he was on the pitch at Cardiff, Newcastle, Chelsea. Um, that's just off the top of my head. I can't even remember who else we played. West Ham, he wasn't on the pitch. Um, so it is one of them. It's, it's a difficult one. It is a, it is a problem. Um, but again, I'll go back to what I always say. It's system, not players. I don't care who we had at centre-back yesterday. If you're that exposed, if, if Kolasinac and Hector are both that high up at the pitch and Granite makes them two mistakes... We could have God himself and, I don't know, another God from another religion, and <laughs> they would have conceded. Okay, Sultan asks, uh, what left back can we realistically get in January to replace either Monreal or Klesnach? I'll get one name off his both. Schwinn? Not a clue. Okay, Tony? Uh, yeah, um, I, I don't really know. We've been linked with... Um, the Argentinian left back that plays for Ajax. I'm not going to but- butcher his name. It starts with Tag. That'll do. Tag um, Yeah, that'll do. Um, we've been linked with him. From what I've seen, I've not been too impressed, but I know we've been linked with him. Um, there's a lo- Everyone wants to talk about Chilwell, but he's just signed a new deal and he'd cost stupid amount of money. Uh, I, I don't think we'll go for a left back in January is, is the answer. But if you're asking for one name, I don't have one. Okay, uh, Vish says, can we blame our Disney? Oh, wait, whoa, 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 What? You're not answering? Me? I've got no idea. Okay. I've had Lovely. this conversation before. I, 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 I fucking, I really struggle. Um, yeah. No, yeah, just so I'm, you I'm can't like come back in a bit and say, oh, you two sitting on the fence if you don't have an answer. No, sorry, I, I just, <laughs> I've got nothing, though. I, and look, it's probably got us all by... Surprise that question. That's because we do excellent research here. Um, <laughs> but I've just the top of my head, I can't even think of. No, nah, can't even really think. Who was that? There was a couple in the um, Dutch league, wasn't there? Schwinn, that we talked that's to earlier. Talking about the Argentinian that plays for Ajax is, has been linked. And, and not too expensive. There's obviously the the Leon left back's been linked. Not well, he hasn't been linked. I think fans are, are talking about him more than more than there's any been actual links. Mm. Um, there's Gaya, um, but yeah, nothing really. As I said I don't I don't think we'll do anything in January in that department anyway. Who was that one that you were talking about a couple of weeks ago? Was that a left back that you're talking about in the? B League or something that Sven was looking at that we were going to sign was that a No, he ended up going he went somewhere oh okay that was Hamza Mendel 
Right. We wasn't sure at the time, but then I looked after, and 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 it was who he was talking about. Yeah. Okay. Okay, um, Vish, can we blame our dismal performance on Carl Jenkinson? Okay. <laughs> Gunnosaurus didn't cheer hard enough. <laughs> Poor cunt did nothing wrong, so it's a blame. Yeah. Uh, the useless twat is as bad as useless as a nun in the brothel. Fucking <laughs> Vish is into this poor cunt. On a serious note... <laughs> fucking bitch fuck mate <laughs> has he not seen Jenkinson's reverse no look pass on, uh, on Thursday <laughs> he might miss that game <laughs> um, do we do we attribute the performance to a lack of desire motivation from the players they get Wolves drew with City oh they forgot Wolves drew with City and United did they yep yep Look, this, yeah. none of this has been about Wolves are a bad team because they're clearly not. We set up completely wrong. We didn't change the game in the right way and we just looked devoid of ideas. I don't think there's an embarrassment in drawing to Wolves. I think the way we played is, I don't want to say embarrassing because that's strong, but the way we played is probably not acceptable. Um, but the the dropping points to Wolves is not like, they're not like a League Two team, and we've, we've drawn one or at home with Lincoln City. Wolves are a decent, a very decent side that will take points off a lot of teams. They're very hard to play. Mm. But what we done was, as I said, that anything I say, embarrassing, not acceptable. I don't mean it that strong, but not good enough. What we done wasn't good enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, Vish goes on, it's a good thing I was high on the moon rocks. Must be something that you drink over there, Schwinn, is it? The moon rocks. Yeah, for the kids listening, it is something you drink. Let's move on swiftly. It's a non-alcoholic. It's like Pepsi. Oh, is it? There you go. Um, Is it really? (laughs) Fuck off. Seriously? (laughs) It's it's something that you drink and makes your lungs feel very happy. Your lungs feel happy? Fuck. Let's move on. I've got no idea. I've got no idea. Okay. Uh, for this match, also, I'll catch up with you after now. Um, I would have had 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 a stroke watching us play. Does Emery need to tweak our system, or does he need to instill a motivation, mental fortitude into our players? The Sporting Lisbon and Wolves performance weren't uh, weren't real good, Schwinn. I think it's a it's a it's a tough question because. It's, He's comparing you know, on, both on, games there, really, and two different yeah, teams. Yeah, very different teams. Uh, both, both the teams we feel it out were very different. And, you know, on, on one day we lacked incision, on one day we lacked quality. I guess you could, you could make an argument that on, on both days we lacked similar sort of things from our game. Uh, but they were for very different reasons. Uh, I, I think it's it's hard to, as I said, you know, circle in on on one thing very generically. Uh, it's it's a wake up call, you know. I, I think that's the best way to to frame this. That not every game is going to be easy in the Premier League, especially against the more inferior teams, quote unquote inferior teams. And uh, you want to give that benefit of the doubt to a new manager that's just come to England. It's it's this has not been his playground. And he'll soon realize that it's it's a much more level playing field than some of the other leagues in in Europe at least. So it's it's a combination of both the tactical tweaks, as Vish men- mentioned, and the, and the mental fortitude mot- motivation. How you go about doing those is is his headache, not mine. 
Um, so let's see how he moves on from here and, and what sort of bold decisions he takes. Does he hook Mesodozo for a poor performance? Does he does he throw in a Guendouzi for for a grand shock? I'm just throwing ideas here. I'm not throwing you know suggestions, but it's it's going to be interesting to see how how he deals with uh, rotation, particularly in December and January. I'm more interested in those moon rocks. <laughs> let's 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 it's not no talk comment. about that. There's no comments going on anywhere. Fuck, mate. Kids hey. listen to us. Oh, do they really? Kids shouldn't be listening to this podcast. Don't don't alienate our audience. You've already called one of them a fucking idiot. Now you're telling kids to not listen. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, no, I didn't call him a fucking idiot. You just said his name's shit. Um, MWA Gunner, do you think Ramsey? Um, <laughs> oh fucking hell! Okay, um, do you think Ramsey dysfunctions our midfield? He leaves too many gaps, and if if you want to play him, you would have to build a team around him, which can't be good, as we have better players in the position he plays. Tony. Uh. I think it's probably a fair assessment. You also need the right player up front. I think uh, Ramsey would do okay off Lacazette because Lacazette leaves the space empty in the box and, and, and it gives Ramsey space to run into, whereas Aubameyang occupies the box so it doesn't give Ramsey space to run into. Um, I, I don't know if this functions our team's right. You have to get him in the right role so that the building the team around him... I mean, look, on Thursday... He was char- He was played as one of the two in front of the, the back four, which Emery likes. Um, and he was pretty disciplined. He was really disciplined, probably too much so. Um, I think he played way too deep. As I said, we've seen him played at 10, which is too high up. He needs to to get the best out of Ramsey. As I said, you need to, to let him make them late runs into the box. And I don't think there's a, any system Emery's going to play that allows him to do that. Which is, which is probably why they're not offering him a contract. Um, as I said, I think dysfunction's probably a bit harsh. But I think, and I think, I don't think you need to build the team around him, but you need to give him a role that suits his game. And Emery's not going to do that. So I think the year he probably played his best football when he got 16 or so goals, whatever it was, the team was built around Ozil, but it allowed Ramsey to play his natural, or not his natural game, the game he's best at. So I don't think you need to be to build it around him, but I think you need a shape that that suits him. And, very and we're never going to. But he's not even sticking around, is he? So no, no. But I think that's more. I don't think it's because Emery doesn't think he's a good player. I just don't think he fits into what Emery wants to do. He he always plays two sitting quite deep in front of the defenders, uh, wherever he's been. He he done it at PSG, and and here he's obviously done it with. With at the start of the season, Xhaka and Guendouzi, and then since then, uh, Torreira and Guendouzi. Ramsey's definitely never going to be one of them two. So then your only other option is a 10, and Ramsey's not a 10. We don't play a centre midfielder. We, we play a defensive mid, two defensive midfielders, an attacking midfielder, and, and wingers. Well, not wingers, but wide men. Yeah, yeah. So and then wing, Ramsey is... Like, Ramsey is the traditional centre midfielder. It's not... I'm not comparing them in terms of quality... But if we had Steven Gerrard, where would you play him in this team? Mm. That, that's the sort of thing. Because so you're saying he's a box-to-box midfielder? Yeah, he's, he's a traditional centre midfielder. Yeah. And that, that, that we just don't play them. As I said, look, Gerrard's probably the best I can think of in, in recent time that's played that role. 
and if we had peak Gerard now, he wouldn't. You'd, you'd have to mould to what he's good at because you wouldn't have him as one of the two in front of the defenders because that curbs everything going forward, and he certainly was never a ten. I, I, I know well, hypothetically. I know well, hypothetically, but if you had Gerard, well, you'd. And this comes back to this question: you'd build a team around him, wouldn't you? Um. Yeah, but I'm saying you don't have to build the team around them. You just have to have a system that allows them to play that role. Mm. It's not like you put Ramsey in and then base the whole team around that because I don't think any year under Wenger we've done that, and especially not Ramsey's best year. As I said the team was built completely around Ozil, but it just it so happened that Ramsey got to play in his best position or his best role, not position, his best role. Yeah, yeah. Mm, it's a hard one with Ramsey. I don't know. It's a really hard one. Um, MAA Gunner, do you think we should start a Bamiang Lacazette, not only because of the Welbeck injury, but also because no one wants to see a Bamiang on the left? We've gone over this, and I don't think any of us really come up with a with a solution. Uh, obviously, a Bamiang's going to start on the left. Lacazette's going to start in the middle, and... Unless uh, one of you boys want to add something, how else do you, you got anything else? I don't know. Well, I, I think oh, used two were talking about it earlier, and I was going to say I think had there not been an international break, if we had a game next week or, or midweek, I think uh, Bamiang would be on the bench because there's that two weeks now. I'm not sure what's going to happen, and I don't know if he'll start on the left. You never know what injuries are going to come on. But I, I think had there just been like a normal week, I think Bamiang probably would have been dropped. Mm-hmm. Okay. Can, I, yeah. can I just quickly add something on that as well? Of course you can. Uh, I think I think we'll miss Welbeck way more than people realize. You know, his obviously we've spoken about how he's not the best footballer, but you know he, he brings on a lot of energy in in late in games. You know, even against Liverpool, although Bamiang was very very good, and and so was like I said, they both played very well. But we only scored once Welbeck came on. And he sort of played an indirect role in that goal. You know, he gives another. He's another person that gives the opposition something to think about. People may not fear his finishing, but they fear what he can do off of it. You know, he can provide a lot of energy. He can provide a threat aerially. And not having that option on the bench is is going to be a, a massive tool that Emery has lost from well from his arsenal. So it's it's come at a very very bad time this injury. And, of course, it's not going to be a short one. So I wouldn't necessarily be surprised if we, you know, as MWA Gunner says, if we take part in a bit more rotation just to make sure that, you know, we, we're keeping both of them healthy and fit. Mm-hmm. MWA Gunner goes on. No hard feelings, Tess. Where's this fucking guy? But why is it always Granite? And he's got your dumb fucking hashtag, Schwinn. Do you press what, what am I? Do you press <laughs> <in the fucking? laughs> um, Because MWA Gunner. Yeah, he's a gun, isn't he? Um, how do we block this cunt? Fair Block. Why is it always granite? Why is it always granite? Is because you're always looking at granite because he's so fucking sexy so you can't take your eyes off granite so you're always looking at him you weren't looking at Klasenach who passed the ball over can there I just go. say Taz <laughs> yeah, that's mate. that's that's granite's fifth error of the season 
directly leading to the to a goal. That's, that's most not bad. Of that's not bad. Considering that's most in the Premier League. That's not bad. To be honest, really, five go- five errors out of how many games? That's pretty good stuff. That's leading to a goal. That's. I'm surprised it's that high, even off the top of my head. I can only think of Cardiff. I'd like to know where he got the fucking stat from. Uh, I read it somewhere on Twitter, but it was from... Oh, uh, I mean, you read it from verified. some gay-ass mate on fucking Twitter. But it's, Twitter. Fr- it's from a verified stats account. It's, I don't remember exactly where, dig but I remember... Dig it out, dig so, it out. Just, but again, it's one of them, because do they count multiple errors? Because uh, Granite has played a part in that error, as we discussed earlier, and the same at Cardiff. There were still a lot of errors after, but... We've conceded 15 goals, so he's basically been at full, according to that stat, if it's true, for a third of our goals. It's mad. Okay. Mm. I'm trying to think of other ones. Shwin, have you got anything? Cardiff yesterday. I'm going to go through them all the fucking games. We're not leaving this podcast till we go through every fucking (laughs) one now. Fuck you. Okay. (laughs) Arsenal, Manchester, obviously we lost 2-0. Remember the two goals? City Sterling and Bernardo. Do you remember who was that fault? Was Cronin that fault for the Bernardo goal? No, not quite. No, I mean, he no, wasn't in that position. Bad game, but not. I don't remember an error for the goal. Okay, Chelsea. We there's three goals there. Chelsea. No, he was no, hooked. He was ball. hooked at halftime. Yeah. yeah, they'd scored two, but they won his fault. Uh, one at West Ham. Don't remember it. Arnautovic, but I don't think it was anything to do with Granite. Uh, Cardiff, they got two. One of them was. One of them was his fault, yes. Yep. Uh, Newcastle got one. Uh, Back post header, nothing to do with him. Are we counting Europa League? No. I don't know. I don't know. Swim was your stat counting Europa League. I didn't say. You said most in the Premier League, so it must be Premier League only. Yeah, most in the Premier League. Everton was a clean sheet. Uh, Watford was a clean sheet. Uh, Fulham. Fulham was not very fault. Okay. Uh, Leicester, they got one. Who scored their goal? It was only a couple of weeks ago. Uh, three oh, one. Oh, Ken Chilwell, own goal. No, nothing, nothing to do with Jacker. Oh, uh, wait, who played the crossfield ball that got cut out? Uh, give me a look. Uh, I don't think it was Jacker. The ball came across to Chilwell and he kissed no, past Bellingham. Uh, it wasn't, it wasn't. No, it wasn't, Granite. Um, okay, Liverpool 1 1. No, nothing to do with him. There you go. So your stat can go and fuck itself. Tell your Twitter mate to go and fuck himself. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> fucking spite, fucking shit, fucking what a shit stat that is. Anyway. Let's go, podcast on. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I forgot where I'm up to. Okay, Justin, do you think Arsenal fans are starting to become more reliant on second half performances? All I see at half every game this season is people tweeting second half FC. I did notice this as well. Um, it is a bit of a problem, boys, and I have to. I'll start with you, Schwinn, but we are. Very slow to start this season in a lot of games and obviously coming back in the second half. And that, that for me, is a bit of a worry. But in saying that, it's we're not we're not putting our head down and, you know, tail between our legs either. Yeah, it's 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 been an odd 
sort of transition in, in those terms because the second half performances have been so different than the first half. Uh, the, the way we've set the tempo, it, they've really been, most of the games have mostly been uh, tales of two halves, apart from that Liverpool game, which was just spot on in a, in a lot of its tempo. I, I Look, I don't really care about how our, our performance differs from half to half as long as there is improvement and there is a there's a realization from the manager that we need a tactical shift you know you can prepare for a game as much as you want but you also know that the opposition is going to prepare for a game and they will try to counter your countermeasures so it's not always going to be the case where plan a is successful uh, and that plan a works seamlessly the issue has been that our plan a has been rarely correct and that can be a worry especially when you know your manager is a pragmatic one you don't really expect that again it's early in the season i think this is where you can use one of those arguments you know emory will evolve the team will evolve players will come in players will go out uh i am not paying too much attention to our first half performance versus the second i think that's that's all right it's it's a part of the learning curve that one so i'm patient with that Mm, okay um, I just bloody had a look at that Leicester goal, Tony. So, and because you know, interesting enough, I'd like to know how many, um, what's Bellerin's stats because I look at here, here, and that that goal uh, that Leicester scored via Arsenal, Chua races forward from fullback, taking the ball perfectly first time and shoots low across goal. It deflects, unfortunately, off Bellerin and bounces over Leno into the net. Yeah, it was a cross. Yeah. It was a cross, Chilwell. But, I mean, look, again, I don't know where these stats come from because are they going one mistake per goal? Because, as I said, for me, Granite made two mistakes for that goal. Kolasinac made one, Hector made one, and, and Holden arguably made a small one. So, I don't know. Are they putting a number against five people or six people for that goal? Do you know what I mean? It's, yeah, yeah. It's all interpretive it's as well. Earlier. Yeah. So this one, uh, Fulham, there's a goal there against Fulham. This one, obviously, uh, holding a Mustafi. Uh, and Monreal gives the ball away. So Yeah, was yeah Monreal gave it away yeah. stupidly. Holding a Mustafi were arguably too square. But, again, you don't expect Nacho. If Nacho doesn't give the ball away in the, nine, in the 45th minute and just hoofs it long like he should have done, then they're caught square because it's not expected the ball to come back at them mm-hmm. yeah well that's what they're basically saying here Monreal gives the ball away and then you know they're, they're basically saying that um, Mustafi and Holding they say you know on the stat do all three of them get the blame there or what yeah, mm-hmm. especially if you don't know who it was that, that set the stat it's just one of Schwinn's burners accounts <laughs> guarantee it what is it what is it pick on granite no hardly i was no. just you know no, trying no. to poke the bear a bit but no, no, you no. proved me wrong so I'll, I'll hold my hands up high good man like you should you little cunt oh, um, fuck off you prick <laughs> uh brad's asks um with welbeck's horrible injury we are in desperate need for a strike in January. Bamiang Lacazette, both starting league games. Would you guys buy a winger and drop either Lacazette or Bamiang or get a striker for the bench? Ashwin? Oh, boy. Uh, I wouldn't make too many moves. I'm, I'm not one fond for making deals in January. 
uh, I can see why people are thinking like that. Uh, so I'm I'm not denying that there, that's a that, that that's a understandable train of thought. But I wouldn't necessarily spend money in January just because of uh, a short term injury. Hmm. I, I don't know. Like, let's say worst case is six months, and touch wood, right? I don't want ever want any. Where, where do we go? Like, do you, do you give um, Eddie a go, or what? What what's your thoughts? You know, moving forward, six months they go. Okay, well, that's how long it's going to take, and and Welbeck's out that long. Do you you have to really look at buying someone in January, or or do you run with Eddie? I mean, I, I go with Eddie, and it's it's not about six months, even if it's four months, right, when we're into the Europa League season, back yep. back in into the knockout stages. So mm-hmm. Look, that's when you need depth, and arguably even during January and, and December, just because you have so many games. But the issue is not the need. I think all of us agree there is a need uh, of, of someone who can come off the bench, irrespective of them being a striker or a winger, who can yep. provide some pace, some energy, some sort of creativity, and maybe have an eye for goal. But the problem remains that in January, to to attract talent and to steal talent away from an, from any of the big teams or any team, you have to pay a certain premium. And with our financial situation, or what has seemed to be our financial situation, that's not going to be the case because we want to maximize our funds and what we can get out of every dollar we spend. And in January, you just don't get a bang for your buck. Unless, of course, Sven has identified someone, again, someone like Gwenduzi that that fits that age profile that fits that talent profile who's a bit versatile who can slot in uh, you know in the 60th 70th minute to to bring about some impact I can see us going for that size that sort of a signing but it's not going to be a big name well-known quantity around Europe who's going to cost 30 40 50 60 million it's not going to happen Tony you you opened up at the start of the podcast on Welbeck's injury and basically said you know let's let's hope it's what it is for two months and and before we top a jump the gun but just after going through a couple of these questions and you know recording for an hour and a half here I'm going to jump the gun and ask a question can we be competitive in all the league you know all the competitions and leagues and whatnot that we want to be with a Bemiang Lacazette, I'm going to throw in a Wobie, even though we know he's going to be overused on the right or left, and Eddie. Um, competitive, yeah. Uh, for me, the issue still remains. It all goes back to the right wing. Because at the moment, we've got no one to play there. So if Iwobi plays there, Aubameyang has to play on the left, which means him and Lacazette are both on the pitch at the same time. If we had a right winger, we could put Iwobi on the left, you could play Aubameyang or Lacazette, not both of them, and then you'd they'd be resting, so they'd have time. You could rotate them or, or use them however you see fit. Yeah. At the moment, we don't really have that option because Danny's out and we haven't got a right winger. So previously, you could have rested Aubameyang, played Danny left, it will be right, and, and Lacazette up front or Aubameyang up front, and, and you still get the same um, rest and rotation. At the moment, you can't do that. The other thing I want to say, if it is six months with Danny, Six months is basically forever because they're not going to give him his contract if he's out for six months and it would take him to the end of the season, give or take maybe a week. Mm. So if it is six months, this is why I'm I slightly, I usually would agree with what Schwinn just said about not signing in January. But if it is six, seven months, I think they maybe will because, as I said, it's not six, seven months, it's forever. 
he's mm. gone if, if that's the case um so I, I think that's an issue. I think hopefully they would have identified the right winger slot anyway. I'm not saying it'd be a direct replacement for Danny, but if they were half thinking about a right winger and thought, oh, okay, maybe we'll leave it till the summer, I think Danny being out, if it is out, if he is out for that long, would have brought them plans forward. Similar to, I know it was a completely different fee, completely different situation, but Nacho Monreal was when we signed in was on the radar for the summer. Kieran Gibbs got injured, so they accelerated it and brought it forward. Um, and I think if Danny is out for a long time, that could happen. Um, yeah. And in terms of, it doesn't, as I said, I've said this a million times, it doesn't have to be a top class player. It just be anyone that's adept on the right. And I've said this a million and one times, we should have signed a Dama Traore. Okay. I was, <laughs> you beat me to it. Um, Schwinn, give us a name. You think that, you know, you'd like to see come in and realistic, obviously. If we had to. Look, I... I have no clue. The the way things are going now with Sven, especially with Raul and his South American connections, I don't even waste time thinking about that. And particularly for January, because I don't think we'll be doing any sort of business with, especially with the well-known players. So I'm not going to rack my brain here only to be proven wrong. Thank you very much. The, uh, the Dembele rumors are going to start again. You know it. Ma- yeah. Malcolm, Dembele, any, anyone well, no, who... Dembele mistraining the other day so they find him and they said you're not in the squad but the same as Arsenal if you're not in the squad you still have to turn up and uh, apparently Dembele walked into the ground 10 minutes after kickoff they saw, I heard this on the radio last night so in May it's talk sport so you can judge the reliability for yourself but that was on talk sport last night so it seems like he's having problems there um, as is Malcolm is now as he started his first game yesterday he obviously came on the Champions League and scored against Inter um so, yeah, the Dembele the, the rumors are going to come around again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I saw someone tweeted a, a screenshot of their Instagram that said Usman Dembele is now following Robert Perez. So, yeah, let's cue the Dembele to Arsenal rumors. Um, <laughs> can you think of any offhand whose contracts are expiring now? That's a good question. I mean, there's Anthony Martial, but of course he's more suited to the left. Isn't matter? Um, isn't isn't matter? Well, yeah, I was going to say he he's been very strongly linked. His contracts yeah. up, but they would wait. They wouldn't pay a fee. They'd wait for the summer, especially if he's already agreed. But again, he's not for me. I, I like my matter, but he's not the type of player I want. I want a proper winger. He's someone that can play from wide right. He's going to cut in field. He's got a lovely left foot, lovely cultured player. But I want a winger. Mm, okay. Uh, I'm just trying to think. There was somebody at Atletico Madrid I was talking about. Um, well, we've been linked with Thomas Partey, but he's a he's not a winger. Nah, uh, Gordon. Diego. He's Gordon. a centre back. Yeah, centre back. Not yeah. In, and never in a million years would he. I mean, he was linked with United, and he signed a new contract in the summer. Oh, did he? Because I, I was reading it the other day. I thought they signed his contract was for oh, Okay. No, United well. made a, made an offer for him that. His agent rang United and said, oh, he's available for this price because there was a term in his contract and they were basically trying to get United uh, Atletico to hurry up and offer him a new deal. Yep. Okay. Yeah, I'm just so I'm, uh, yeah, I'm looking at a list as well. Why don't you go first, Taz? I, I was just reading, and, and this was a shout-out for the question on left-back options. Um, despite a huge price tag, Manchester City played for Kyle Walker and Benjamin Mendy. Fullbacks generally do not cost that, 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 non-real. Um, Philippe Lewis of Atletico Madrid, they're saying. He's already failed in England. I, I, um, I like him. 
Failed at Chelsea. Yeah. And Nicholas, Nick, that, Nick, that uh, I don't know what he's doing. Yeah, yeah, don't want to butcher that one. Yep. Uh, so that's the two they're basically saying, Schwinn. That's all I got. Yeah, I mean, in terms of forwards, there's Angel Di Maria. There is Munir El Haddadi, who that's an interesting name out there. Um, Anthony Martial, of course. Arian Robin, 35 by the time uh, 2019 rolls around. Well, so probably not an option. I thought he agreed an extension. Well, this article has been updated a month ago, so it's possible that yeah, yes, I thought recently time. I read within probably the last two weeks that he agreed an extension. I could be wrong, but I'm sorry on Twitter. Which again, personally, uh, I'd like um, um, Anthony Mar- Anthony Martial. I think he's pr- he's proven like he's 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 now proven in the Premier League for me. Like not on the right though, is he? No, nah, that's the only problem. He's on the left. I also yeah. I don't think there's a cat and else chance he doesn't sign. You know I'd be mad to let him go, surely. Well, it's not up to them in theory, but it is and it isn't. It's, if he doesn't sign a contract, he goes. But they'll they'll make sure he signs because of what they paid for him and their, and future transfer value. Mm. Even if they have and to offer him in terms where, where of wages. Where does he go? Huh? I'm I'm not even sure if he he's got some stellar options. To be honest, I mean this is not doubting him at all. But I'm I'm just looking around Europe. I'd, I'd I'd free, I think most team. would take him. I'd imagine because you know, even if you sign him for free, he's worth fifty million the next day. Mm. So for free, I think pretty much anyone would take him. I'd well, agree. it's it's about where he gets game time too, though, isn't it? Well, he'd get get yes, game so, time no, in Monaco. It's all so business based. Most teams would would take him, and and I think the best Martial, which we've not seen consistently, would get game time at, at most places anyway. Mm. I mean, I, I don't disagree with that in terms of his quality. I, I think he's probably one of the best wingers out there. You know, top five, top seven, whatever you want to call. It. I'm just I'm trying to think of places where he could slot into the starting eleven without having to displace someone uh, of of a big name. And a team that can afford to pay, you know, all the bonus and and the and the high fee that that he'll command on a weekly basis. Yeah, uh, I don't think don't Bayern can afford it. No transfer fee. And the way that's true. Yeah, I guess they can they can obviously sort that out through his contract. United will make him sign. They'll just offer even if the issue of United is Sanchez. His wages are, are giving everyone else a, a target. It's similar with Ozil or Arsenal, but. With United, no, as I said, the next day they, he signs a contract, he's worth 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 million. So even if they have to pay way over the odds and they fully intend on selling him so they don't have to pay over the odds for that long, I'd imagine they'll do it. They've got money to do it. I think, I think an interesting um, domino effect here could be if Eden Hazard is to, is to leave and go to Real Madrid, Chelsea might be sniffing around Martial because they could offer him that spot. And they could offer him the money he's been looking for as well. Yeah, as I said, I don't, I don't think it will come to it. I think United will make him sign. There's, there's other names here. Fakir, obviously, they're going to be Fakir. And, he was um, in Chelsea yesterday. Was he? And Leon Bailey. Yeah. Leon Bailey's an interesting yeah. one. Yeah. Again, I mean, the, the thing is with... I know it's, it's not like for like, but Reese is outperforming Bailey. So do you go and spend 50, 60, 70 million on someone who your youth product is, who you're getting back, is outperforming? Yeah, that's true. Is he playing, is he going really well, Royce, is he? Yeah. Yeah, he's got, he's a, he was a joint top scorer before the weekend, I think, but, oh no, he wasn't, that's bullshit. He was doing, he was doing well. I think he's got four in, 
four and five or something before the weekend. Yeah. Scored again this weekend. Yeah. Well, there you go. Okay. Um, yeah, it's going to be interesting transfer window, boys. Uh, very interesting. So. It probably won't. January never is. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but we'll talk it up. Um, okay, international break for two weeks. Uh, we haven't. Before we go there, Tess, there's another question I think you've missed out oh. on, so I'll, I'll throw it to you. Yep. This is again from Brad's. Uh, is it a coincidence that since we've signed Granit Xhaka and Mustafi, we've gotten worse in the league defensively? Too many individual mistakes from those who have cost us gold, if you're honest. We were better defensively with Coquelin and Gabriel. Um, I don't think so at all. I disagree with whatever he says. because, And where's he getting these stats from that, um, obviously, Granit, he, he must be getting the same stats that your mate, Schwinn, <laughs> your fucking burner account. Like, we just gone through all the games and could find one, and people are going to jump on and argue with us, but... Fuck me. Two, two weeks ago, he's fucking well wanking over him how good he was against Liverpool. He, he had one bad game. Well, he's had a few bad games, but he's had a bad game like every other fucking player on that team yesterday, and yet he's the player who gets hung. Um, and poor old Mustafi, like, did he really have that bad a game yesterday? No, I thought he had a better game than Holding. And in fact, I think Jake... <laughs> Like, yeah, and I think Jake put up the ratings, and he had Holding ranked higher than Mustafi, which I found uh, myself to disagree with. I, I think Mustafi was bad, as I said, offensively in trying to ping those passes forward, but defensively, I thought Holding looked much more suspect. Yeah, I, I don't know what it is. Uh, uh, I think Granite's just the boo boy. I really do. He just he gets hammered every week in, week out. Um, the haters are back on this week. Uh, you know, they were, they were on him last week. Loved him to death, and this week I fucking hate him. So, anyway, he'll continue to fuck his all over. So get fucked. Um, <laughs> Clockentalk.blogspot.com. Schwinn, you've just reminded me. Uh, who did the ratings again? Jake, wasn't it? So, That's it. So just a quick one. So obviously he's give uh, Leno a nine. Um, uh, Bella in a six, Mustafi a five point five, holding a six. Yeah, okay. See that that's another one. Mustafi's ranked lower than Bellerin, which again I find a bit shocking. Yeah. Um Klozenach a four point five, Tuera a seven, Granite a five point five, Urzel a one, uh Fermiang four. <laughs> <laughs> a Wobi a six oh boy. and a Lacazette a five <laughs> so yeah anyway you can find them and, and, he's, and he gives these little uh, bit of a spiel on why he's give them ratings so clockandtalk.blogspot.com um, okay boys that's about it for the week or day um, we are going to come back in a national break more than likely because we all get bored even though we've all been quiet this week um, and say so let's do a podcast so I think Tony had a couple of ideas too, didn't you, Mike? What's there? Full of ideas, mate. <sighs> Bringing something to the table finally, eh, Schwinn? <laughs> high, high fucking time, though. <laughs> it is, isn't it? <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> Who needs enemies, eh? <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. You'll follow us at clockend underscore talk on Twitter. We're on clockend talk at uh, Facebook. 
And YouTube, do not forget to subscribe to our YouTube and your chance to win an Arsenal shirt uh, that we will draw as soon as we hit 500 followers. Uh, we will also retweet that out again. Okay, boys, thanks again, and we'll speak to you all and uh, everybody else next week. Thanks, lads. Thank Cheers. You. Bye. Thank you.